Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Vredestein tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. That's TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. That's TireRack.com, TireRack.com, TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. You know, so yesterday during the show, we're talking about your promo that runs on Fox Sports Radio. You know, you calling the other radio shows. Right. Now you're calling other businesses in Southern California, and you run your, a chiropractor is not a doctor line. So yesterday we're doing the show, and I, I run that line with you. You know, we're just kind of joking around, and I say, a chiropractor is not a doctor. 
Well, apparently a bunch of doctors were listening at that time, and they texted me, oh, should uh, they put me on Twitter, oh, should I uh, not be called a doctor by my patients now? You know, you're a tool. I got doctors calling me tools because I ran a line that was your line that we were having fun with. It's from a promo. So now I got doctors mad at me. Uh, and which, which, of course, was when I was listening to Dan Patrick's show, and they were talking about whether or not a... <laughs> A chiropractor is a doctor. Listen, it doesn't diminish your importance, right? Like, I took a tennis lesson yesterday, and I did kind of tweak my back. I might have a rib out. I'd love to see a chiropractor, but guy is uh, grasping for air on a plane, and the flight attendant, no longer allowed to say stewardess, the flight attendant Mm. says, is there a doctor here? (laughs) A chiropractor does not pop up. A podiatrist is more is high, is in the pecking order. Like, did you have to go to medical school? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. I also look. I'm also worn down by people that call themselves doctor that are a doctor of of English or grammar or literature or whatever. It doesn't mean you didn't earn your doctorate. It's just different than a PhD. And what, what's the Seinfeld line when uh, she's one step up from the woman who works at the Clinique counter? Right. That was Costanza's line. Yes. <laughs> Man, we got a lot to get to. Like, listen. One of the things about football season is we're this is week zero in in college football. Week zero, so right? Right. It's, week it's the pre zero. It's the pre boarding to the mm-hmm. boarding of next week, where we have an, an incredible litany of college games. But we do have games that count. But the the one of the things that you run into as you and I have our own radio shows here on Fox Sports Radio is man, you're waiting for stories. Man, you're waiting for, and you think the games give us stories. We got a bunch of stories today. Bunch right? of stuff. Like we got. Hard, like we got to react to hard knocks, right? The, like the day after, although it's like a week later in which the news mm-hmm. is delivered on hard knocks. Like I do think there was some interesting stuff from that. We have to talk about Bob Wiley. We have to talk Bob, about how the United States has been able to win wars because of jumping jacks and push-ups and sit-ups. I, yes, and his, <laughs> his incredible gut muscles. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's I mean, gut, like, like there's a bunch of dudes with, with big guts like, man, can I do that with my gut? All right, so we got, and Des Bryant's, visit that did not land him a gig his attire to the visit that did not land him a gig on hard docks we have the yankees as they are going through a different problem every single day late last night aroldis chapman left the game after six pitches due to a knee injury so now is another yankee who's hurt could wind up on the dl gonna have an mri and the yankees are just free for they have they're in a death spiral of injuries right now it's like every day i feel like it's going to be somebody else and aaron boone is going to say the same thing well we'll get it looked at and then we'll uh we'll, we'll go on from there but hold on if we're gonna talk baseball all of a sudden the, the nationals are like you know what fire sale after all we were going to keep all of our things and now we'll sell all of our things does anybody want bryce harper and apparently the dodgers claimed bryce harper and yet they couldn't get a deal done but two you know two others are gone and then you get then you got the dodge stop me if you heard this before but the st louis cardinals win again at chavez ravine happens the dodgers go down five to two and suddenly they're not even mentioned when you see here's your west coast results arizona stays in first place a game and a half up on colorado and it's oh boy they're not we don't, we don't even get you know dodgers are neck and neck they need they need a full bullpen transfusion they need to t- call a team and say like, our entire bullpen sucks we'll trade our entire bullpen for your entire bullpen it could be just as bad but at least it's different guys that you can complain about Let's do that. Let's make that happen. Uh, then you got uh, the Washington Redskins have their running back with Adrian Peterson in camp, and they call him a physical freak. Can Adrian Peterson kind of recapture the glory of years gone past? I like this part of that story where 
the Redskins, oh, he's a freak. He does all of this. He's no lock to make the opening day roster. But, well, we love him. He's so great. Look, he shows up, and we put him through this 40-minute workout, and he impressed everybody. His lateral movement has burst through the hole. Oh, he's got a lot left in the tank, but so he's going to be your opening day starter. Well, we're going to evaluate how things go the rest of camp, and he's going to be in the mix with other guys, with Kelly and Thompson and P. Ryan when he gets back. So we're going to, So I like how they're playing both sides of the coin with Adrian Peterson. Yeah, and then there's, uh, there's Jimmy Smith who gets suspended for four games for for uh, what, what's being termed domestic you know domestic inter, uh, inappropriate domestic interaction with the mother of his of his kids and this this suspension that could have been six and apparently is four games has that affect the Ravens like are we going down kind of the right path in Jimmy Smith's behavior albeit uh, I don't believe he's accused of doing anything physical. Towards the mother of his kids, so there's a bunch of there's actually and these, a bunch. Of, remember, these are your Ravens to talk about it on a football field. You really like the Ravens. We talked about it yesterday. I, I am re- not I didn't say high really. on the Ravens. I didn't really say I really you like said Ravens. Fourteen and two home field advantage. Flacco's the MVP. I mean, stop, that, stop, that's stop basically it. what you said. And then there's also the Jimmy Smith. Remember, he fell in the draft because yes. of because of arrest, because of other off the field nonsense. But this is like six years later. Do we still hold the past against him? And we get that confirmation. Aha! Bias. But we'll start today with something from last night that just continues to be a story. And, you know, we talked about The Wire a little bit yesterday and, you know, how how big of a fan you and I both are of the show and the different seasons. The reason The Wire was so good is because it basically said this is who we are for different parts, for politics and for uh, education and for law enforcement. And sometimes it worked out good. Sometimes it didn't. But this was life. This is where we're at. I say this because this is where we're at right now with the national anthem situation on the news a couple of days ago that ESPN says they're not going to cover the national anthem before Monday night games. They haven't done it in the past. They're not going to do so now. There's a twofold conversation to have here, but let's start with what happened last night on what is arguably the worst day of of Donald Trump's presidency. I I think regardless of party lines, you'd agree that that's the case. He had a rally last night in West Virginia, and one of the first things he talked about was, guess what, about that anthem thing at ESPN. You're proud of our country, you're proud of our history, and unlike the NFL, you always honor and cherish our great American flag. It was just announced by ESPN that rather than defending our anthem, our beautiful, beautiful national anthem, and defending our flag, They've decided that they just won't broadcast when they play the national anthem. We don't like that. So while the players are kneeling, some of them, not all of them at all, you're all proudly standing for our national anthem. Thank you. It's like a WWE crowd the way they booed when he, when he mentioned ESPN. Boom! And here comes Kane coming in from the back. Look, this is the reason I I talk about this is where we're at. There's not going to be a solution with the national anthem because the NFL made the huge mistake. The worst thing they did was allow the president to have a say in what players do or don't do during the anthem. They're protesting because they don't like the way black men are handled at the in the hands of police. This is why the players protest. And this message is getting lost in what's thrown out there on for people who are pro uh pro standing for the anthem and people who are pro-choice, whether you can stand or not stand for the national anthem. What the NFL needed to do was say, we'll take this. We have, we're a private entity. We're a private corporation and we're fine. 
But as we found out during the Colin Kaepernick collusion trial, Jerry Jones said, you know, I talked to President Trump and he said, you can't win this. This lifts me. And it appeals to his base that people want to see players stand for the national anthem. So once the NFL made the rule saying, yeah, players have to stand or they can go in the locker room, that was it. Because when something wins politically for somebody, it's not be political conversation. This right. is just this is just this is just true. You, you go when back something to wins politically, you never go away from it, and it's a big win for him as he sees it. Because hey, I got the NFL to to count out to my beliefs. People should stand for the anthem. So now that he's involved, he's never going to let it go. Whether players are in the locker room or not, he he's going to say something. If the ESPN says okay, we're covering the national anthem, and players are still in the in the locker room, he's going to say why are players still in the locker room? They're protesting the anthem. It. it we're, this is going to be something we're going to have to live with for you know for, until further notice, as, as long as well, President Trump is president. Okay, well, look the, again. This is like every day. There's a lot to dig into. A lot to today, dig right? into. We should like, get John Paul Morosi on or at least if, play if that you, drop. If you well, first, if you just go back to when Colin Kaepernick first kneeled, one one of the big flaws is yes, I I, I do agree that the 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 initial protest and most of the protest was over police brutality. But when you had a, a guy who was flawed um, in his own approach, you know, wearing the pig socks mm-hmm. and then wearing the Fidel Castro shirt, like, and Colin Kaepernick has never necessarily verbally owned. He's, he's lived up to what he said he would do off the football field, but he never, he didn't keep backing it up, continue to make points as to, he didn't, he didn't stay on message is the, is the political uh, line. He didn't stay on message as to why. And so it allowed other people to jump in and say, well, this is why you're protesting and this is what it's about. And and they lost control. They lost control of what the protest was about. But the idea that the NFL simply implementing the NBA's rule, same rule the NBA has, there's no difference in it at all, that that allowed President Trump to hop big, back in on this argument, I completely disagree with. Look, Trump is, there's a little idiot savant there, right? Like he he found a winner. <laughs> he, he found he found a winning argument there, and he was the one. It, it was quietly, slowly going away that broadcast companies were mm-hmm. stop. They had stopped showing the anthem. It wasn't that big a thing. And then he called. He didn't call players SOBs, but he said the word SOBs in combination with with what he would do if it was his player that was kneeling on a football field, by the way, a league that he couldn't get into, right? The the NFL tried to do the, they go low and we go high, like wrong. They have approached this wrong, wrong the whole way. If their message was, Hey, listen, Donald Trump is simply trying to, trying to dictate terms in a private, in a, in a private business that he couldn't buy into. We wouldn't let him buy into the Buffalo Bills. The crazy part about it was that he bought the Buffalo Bills. They let him buy the Buffalo Bills. He wouldn't be president of the right. United States, right? right. The old buff- butterfly effect. Sure. Um, had they done that, they didn't. Instead, then there was a, a then there's a substantial portion of the protest late in the season in, involving entire teams that weren't. It wasn't about the flag. Like players would say, "Well, it's about it's." I mean, it wasn't about the police brutality. There's a good portion of the protest late in the season last year that was about Donald Trump's comments. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Like, yeah. that thing was going away, and then Donald Trump said, I get those SLBs, and then like, no, 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 now we're all united against Trump. So the idea, he found a winner. Um, he rattled that cage a little bit. He got them to react, and then it became even more of a winning one. And then ESPN announced, hey, we're, we're stepping away from politics and sports. This is not good for business. 
and that allowed allowed him to get up on the, what you're calling the worst day of his presidency, which I find hard to disagree with, and 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 go back to a winning topic. It's it it is really fascinating that you almost feel like the best thing to say is nothing, right? Like CBS is broadcasting NFL games. They ain't saying nothing. Like, I'm not saying nothing. Uh, Fox is broadcasting NFL games. And I'm guessing, I think tomorrow they got a big shindig in New York where all of our spectacular talent covering the National Football League. I'm guessing they can say nothing. ESP, in an effort to, to hey, step away from politics, they actually brought politics back into it. It's the has the opposite of the intended effect. See, because I, I look at it this way. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan Patrick here on Fox Sports Radio. I can't believe ESPN can actually say, as a news organization, we're not going to cover the national anthem. It's become such a big deal the last year or so now that when Trump brought it back up right before the season. You're right. We were going away from it. But now it's become a story. Now the anthem has become such a big story, not just for sports fans. I, I know there's a lot of sports who are like, oh, my God, it's another anthem controversy. But trust me, this is something that is you. You get outside of sports. It's one of the biggest things that people weigh in on. And. This is a story. Whether you like it or not, it's a story. And ESPN's a news organization, so they are basically choosing to say, we're not going to cover something that is news. Right, but that's, that's, where, that's where their message is off. Okay? Instead of saying we won't cover it, and instead of saying we will cover it, they just should have said, Jimmy Pataro, who's in charge there now, and I, again, I think his intentions are good. I don't think he has bad intentions here. He just he wants to move on. He wants to, like, listen, we're just broadcasting sports, right? And he's not... And the, I, I understand what he he's he's reacting to uh, people saying that they've gotten too political by saying we're going to be apolitical now. But to me, the, the message should have been, hey, we'll cover stories as news dictates and if, saying nothing says something. But instead, he said, we ain't covering it, which allowed the president to use it to go back to one of his winning topics. Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox Twitter at How About a Fresca Doug at Gottlieb Show Jason and Doug in for Dan Patrick from the Mercedes Benz Studios. Coming up next, we got more NFL on the way. You have to hear what one of the Browns' assistant coaches said on Hard Knocks last night. I don't think it would be taught in any history class, but I'd like to see it. It's coming up next, Fox. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, it is the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Our show's here here on Fox Sports Radio, my show at night, 8 to 11 Pacific. Doug, 12 to 3, doing his show again later on today. And uh, we got more on the on the fallout from the uh, the anthem Coming up later on in the show. Plus, uh, Dan Orlovsky, newest mm-hmm. analyst for ESPN, is going to join us, former quarterback in the National Football League. He'll break down some quarterbacks for us. Uh, we're going to wait word we think we'll get today on Urban Meyer and Ohio- his fate at Ohio State. There's a lot of a lot of sports stuff to talk about. Yeah, that Ohio State thing can break at any time because they are meeting this morning. Now, are we going to get a leak before they go in? Or are we going to get it right after? Hey, here's the recommendation. So as we, as soon as we find out, we'll bring it to you right here at Fox Sports Radio because certainly we are waiting with bated breath for the other shoe to drop on that. And that's something that earlier in the week, Bruce Feldman told us on, on the show, we had him on, he said, listen, Wednesday's going to be the day. When everybody thought it was Sunday, and then it was Monday. He said, listen, it's going to happen on Wednesday. Tuesday night is the night to which the new Hard Knocks drops. And I, I assumed you watched it. Yes. I like how you say it drops like it's an album. Yeah, you know, the new album drops on uh, the 25th. Well, it does. I mean, it, is, it, 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 dro- it drops. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Fair, 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 fair point. Get the um, new band of horses that drops it does, on the it 27th. Does, it does. The new one does drop every Tuesday. Yes, drops right? on Tuesday. And so then those of us who can't get enough of it, like we're drinking it up like soup. It is fair. It, it, if you if you if you talk to sports guys, like real hardcore sports guys, we wouldn't miss an episode. But not everybody watched the episode. Uh, this one had Des Bryant making a visit. It had some more Baker Mayfield. Um, but I, I think an unnamed un or unknown previously unknown assistant coach stole stole the episode. Fair? Yes, I, I love when stories like this happen when people become accidental stars. Or in the case of the Browns, hey, the camera's on me. I want to say something. Bob Wiley is the offensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns. And maybe you looked at Twitter last night, you saw, why is this guy Bob Wiley trending? Who is this? And you look at him and you say, was he in a band in the 60s? Is he doing something now? No, he's the offensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns. And last night, he owned the episode of Hard Knocks. Many reasons, but mainly for this one. Talking to someone else about the dedication of players and how stretching and doing many things to get ready for games and practices is very important. Push-ups are important. Sit-ups are important. How important is this to football? Well, as Bob Wiley said last night, and this is what's going viral, I don't know that we would have won a single world war without them. World War One, World War Two, all those guys that fought in that war, right? They did push-ups, jumping jacks, sit-ups, climbed the rope and ran. But none of this fancy okay? Right? And they won two world wars. Two world wars by doing jumping jacks, push-ups, and sit-ups. Two world wars. You think they were worried when they're running across Normandy about <laughs> stretching? Are you kidding me? Uh, a few people might have huh? Pull the well, let me see. Give me my rubber band so I can stretch to run across that. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> give me your rubber so I can do, or give me a Bowflex so I. You know, listen, I'm not ready. I need no, the body blade for a no, couple that, minutes. No, what, he, what he's he's saying, like, <laughs> look, we have gotten into, guys have become paralyzed. By the, I gotta do my active stretching. Yes. And, Activate my glutes. Um, but like your active stretching and like guys have a whole kind of routine and like you're an NFL coach. You're like, look, I came out here. I got a limited time that I'm allowed to work with guys. You can't go two a days anymore. And I gotta wait for guys. So let me get my bands out. Let me get my my rollers out to get my T bands. Uh, T bands all loosened up. So I there is the old. And it, but it's actually a great point, right? Like I watched. Saving Private Ryan. I've watched all of those different, you know, storming the beach in Normandy, and no one pulled a. Ha- Remarkably, no one did pull a hammy. I, I didn't see them do push-ups or sit-ups or or jumping jacks before they got off. I, I didn't see that. I don't think that's how we actually won the wars. I, I think if we had that's not, what, that's done- what a burpee actually is. Like a burpee is simply a a push-up slash jumping jack at the same time, right? Isn't that what that is? Like there is a certain genius to the what's always been good is in fact good. Yeah. I, I I just you know I see we won not one but two world two wars world wars because the other apparently the other countries weren't stretching yeah I'm not sure what happened in they weren't Viet- doing jumping Viet- jacks I'm not sure what happened in Vietnam in Vietnam did we get too caught up in in our in our stretching routine is that is that why the Viet Cong really I, gave us trouble I, I I don't understand it was all I mean, I, was, I, I mean I was I was thoroughly entertained I actually thought the the most interesting thing that came from that episode was uh, for if you didn't watch it it was the Des Bryant visits with the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, you know, Des shows up and many people have seen him coming down the escalator with the headphones on with the spiritual gangster um, tank top on. But that's how he visited the Browns. Th- that's how he it's a job interview and you can say whatever you want. I don't you don't have to throw on a suit and a tie. Okay? You don't have to throw on some cotton dockers, you know, some lay flat pants. But the idea that you would go into 
a place of business, hat in hand, trying to show that as a veteran, you're mature, you're relatable to both uh, upstairs, meaning the front office, and to downstairs, meaning the players. And you'd show up, like, even if you wear a tank top, he never took his headphones off. He's walking around the facility, headphones on, dapping dudes up, shaking guys' hands, which, again, like, you have people like, why is he doing that? Does he act like he's on? That, that's how people say hello. They you, even guys you don't know. What up, man? What up, dude? And I like that he went into the, the to the to the um, the equipment room. Right. That that's a that's a me move, by the mm-hmm. way. Always go to the equipment room because the equipment guys they hold the keys to the the gear kingdom. If you're a gear guy, you want to get some gear. You got to make friends with those guys. Those are grinders. Those are day laborers from NFL. They make nothing. Always be nice to those guys. Those guys will get you the good shorts. All the good stuff, they'll take care of you. That's smart. But when you're going to meet with a potential head coach and he had nothing prepared, he had nothing to say, he doesn't take his headphones off, didn't dress appropriately, you, 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 seem, you still seem like a Des Bryant that th- you think the idea of Des Bryant is he gets it and he clearly doesn't get it. Well, I'm glad you bring it up because I'll tell you exactly why he did this. When did he say, hey, I'm going to Cleveland? After the first couple episodes of Hard Knocks airs. I'm going to start my visits next week. No, nobody's clamoring for Des Bryant to visit. If people wanted Des Bryant, they would have offered him a contract by now, but they haven't. But he saw the publicity that Hard Knocks was getting, that the Browns were getting. So he said, okay, I need to jumpstart things. So I'm going to go visit Cleveland, and I'm going to make it a show. And I'm going to show up and just be me. And I'm going to do some things that people are going to see and go, oh, look at Des. As you said, go to the equipment room and see the guys. That, that Hey, I can be a good teammate, but I'm still going to be me. Because he doesn't want to sign with the Browns. He just wanted the visual of him going to Browns camp and being on TV and that being something that is talked about in NFL circles. I guarantee it was him and his agent saying, okay, you know what, if you showed up there, this could you know spark a little something, maybe a little bit of interest. I get a phone call or something because there's nothing right now, Des, because there's absolutely nothing for Des Bryant. His teams have gotten into camp now. We're two weeks in. Nobody wants to sign Des Bryant. He's a jag. He's been a jag for a while. But this but, was, and by the way, for people, jag is just just a guy, a guy. Just, just a, a guy. guy. Yeah, I got Mike Mayock. I got to always thank for that that line. So this is why he came to Browns camp because he wanted the high profile of being on Hard Knocks because he saw it work for Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry does his big profanity lace tie right after like two practices. Wide receivers, we got to do this, this, this. Dude, we haven't played a game yet. And he saw the attention that got, and he knew that, okay, this is a different Hard Knocks than the other ones. There is a lot going on around here. There's an entertainment aspect to it. So I'm going to show up there, and this is it was all about just getting my name out there and letting people talk about Des Bryant again. Yeah, yes, but I, I kind of I, I feel like it backfired. Like, I understand that if you're Des Bryant, you're smart to sit and wait because right now they're running through the numbers and they're trying to figure out what young guys are really good enough. And even though Des is not what he used to be, you still know that jump ball, you know he can make a play when you need it. I think NFL people have a good sense of him. But you do wonder about um, how he will purport himself in the locker room, in the front office, you know, in front of the cameras and the idea that, dude, you show up for a job interview in a spiritual gangster shirt, some shorts and headphones, and you don't take the headphones off. Like I'm not, again, I'm not saying you need suit and tie, but there's a way to do it and a way to not do it. And if Des Bryant wanted to use that to promote himself to the rest of the league, that I'm here, I'm ready to play. 
There was no hat in hand. There was no leveling off of the ego. There was no understanding of the role of being a veteran is to be completely buttoned up. I feel like he failed in in appearance and in substance or lack thereof when he showed up on Hard Knocks last night. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Brought to you by their 2018 Mercedes-Benz GLC 300 SUV. High performance meets higher intelligence. Test drive one today. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Joining us now on the hotline for more on Hard Knocks and general quarterback fun in the NFL, Dan Orlovsky, 12-year NFL vet, ESPN football analyst. All right, Dan, we talked about the Bob Wiley statement a few minutes ago. We talked about winning world wars thanks to jumping jacks and push-ups and sit-ups, a big viral sensation from Hard Knocks last night. You ever have a coach like that that would just say things like that to make you go, man, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> yeah, often. You know, I, I've got a couple of decent little stories. I played under a guy named Rod Marinelli in Detroit when he was our head coach. Now Rod's one of the kind of most respected defensive minds and really defensive line coaches in the league and he's down in Dallas now but when he was the head coach he would end every single team meeting with this video montage essentially of like National Geographic videos of just animals hunting each other and he would kind of in a Steve Irwin type way like narrate the video with this coach this coach voice where he'd be like you men gotta understand you gotta hunt and talking about, look, at these animals don't stretch. They don't worry about if they're warm, where they are, <laughs> if it's a football field, or if it's a parking lot. they got to go hunt and eat. And he would end every day with this different kind of video. And at some point, listen, I love Rod, but at some point it was like, we've got to be get, we got to win football games. I get the whole animal thing, but we're not, we're 0 and 10. So, <laughs> um, but I've had, yeah, I've, I've had my fair share of coaches. Greg Shiano was another one where, and I, I, I have a lot of respect for him as a football coach and whatnot, but he would talk about, like, optimal learning temperature for meeting rooms. 68 degrees. 68 degrees. 68 degrees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the amount of hydration we would have to have in a practice and, and whatnot. And I'd be like, but we can't execute simple plays right now. And that stuff isn't – I know it plays its part, but it, we've got bigger fish to fry. So I've had some coaches, yeah. Yeah, no, I had uh, – John McLeod was my head coach at Notre Dame, and he called uh, all the freshmen in before our first day of school at Notre Dame. And he's like, men, Notre Dame, this year we reel in the big fish. We reel in the big fish. We cast it out and we reel in the big fish. And I remember my boy, Antonio Weiss, like, coach, we going fishing? We're like, it's a metaphor, Antone. It's a metaphor. <laughs> Dan Orlovsky joining us here on the Dan Patrick Show. Um, am, I, am I overreacting to say that Des Bryant in an effort to show the rest of the league that he was he's ready to he's ready to go on job interviews failed in appearance and in substance in his job interview in Cleveland. No, I don't think it's an overreaction because you've got to kind of take the whole big picture in and you know Dez is obviously looking for a job and my point that I've been trying to make is why did Jordy Nelson get picked up so quickly and Dez did it. And Jordy Nelson didn't have half the stats last year that Dez did, yet he was scooped up and given some money. And Dez, whether he's waiting or doesn't have a ton of opportunities, we all don't know the exact details. But if you understand that the narrative around Dez or maybe something that might be holding him back from being signed yet is some of the emotional stuff or outbursts or temper that is tied to him, you would imagine that if he truly was taking this seriously and had multiple opportunities, 
he was going to present himself with a, in a, in a somewhat of a serious tone, saying, Coach, listen, I want to be me, but I'm, I'm here to work, and I'm here to be a part of this football team and, and get back to playing football and doing what I love to do. And so I just didn't get that feel from him, whether it was his, per, his personality or walking around and, and saying hello to everybody around the locker room. It almost looked like he was expecting it was already a done deal, that he was already going to be part of that team and walking out with the deal signed. And that was the vibe that I got. It just, if I'm Dez, I want to make sure that everyone knows, listen, I'm, I'm here for the, I'm here for the, as the show, the bachelor would say, I'm here for the right reason. Right. I want to be part of this team. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, no. He was, he was the guy who broke out the guitar on the second episode of the bachelor. Like, Oh, he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to become a country singer in, instead of, <laughs> instead of trying to win the bachelorette's hand. You, you couldn't, couldn't have nailed it any better. Yeah. I just, I would, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more, Okay, even when the, the, when he's talking with Hugh Jackson and he's like, you know, I just want realness. It's almost like he hasn't still moved on from the Dallas situation. Yeah. And I want to hear him go, I want to play football. I want to be a, a part of a good football team where I have an impact. I want to play with players that are explosive and, and this and that rather than I just want you to be honest they're real with me. Uh, outside of Hard Knocks, I know as you're getting ready for the season, we've seen a lot of attention spent on the rookie quarterbacks. Josh Allen looks like he could start in Buffalo. Sam Darnold still getting the majority of the reps with the Jets. Which of the rookie quarterbacks so far has impressed you the most? Definitely Sam Darnold. You know, I, Sam's been kind of what I expected of him. He's complete control of the ability to kind of be improvisational, make some throws on the run, which is something he did really well coming out of US, USC. It's been interesting to hear how, how advanced he is mentally and grasping their playbook and how unflappable he is. I expected that because that's kind of his personality. So he's been really encouraging to watch. I've liked what I've seen out of Baker Mayfield. Baker has shown progress. Now, I continue to say it's not time yet. It's, there's no need to rush Baker into the, to the lineup, but it's not time yet. But you can see some improvements with his eyes, decision-making, how he's getting through his progressions. Josh Allen's probably been the one that's been really surprising to me. Um, he he's, he's looks like he's belonged. Now, there's still some throws that I go, huh? But And there's still some protection stuff where someone's coming unblocked and, and it's a big blow-up in the backfield. And I don't know scheme-wise if it's on the running back or the offensive line or Josh Allen. And I was critical on him coming out. Uh, but he's been impressive. Rosen's been really nice. Lamar Jackson has struggled as expected. I don't think that's a huge red flag. We Everyone should have understood he was a year or two away from actually being able to play that position at a super high level. But they've all had some moments when you go, okay, maybe this class is going to be a little unique. Um, what, but, but you mentioned the Lamar Jackson thing. There are still people convinced that he can play quarterback this year in the NFL why do why are people watching the film thinking that's that's the case? Oh, I don't know who those people are, but they. I, I just I can't. I can't. There's no way. There's no way that you can justify to me that Lamar Jackson can play for any team right now in the NFL. And that's not. It's a yet thing. It's yes. just yet because to, you're only going to last so long running around. And if that is your, and this is what I said about him, that's his greatest strength. That's his go-to weapon. That will only get you so far. And here's the thing. If you watch the tape, yes, he's had some nice scrambles, but he's, and I've been surprised by this. He's also been kind of walked down a little bit sideline yeah. to sideline. He yeah. doesn't outrun a ton of defenders sideline to sideline. That's I, the I, difference I, between the NFL and college. Yeah. So, it's it's crazy. You, I, we said this yesterday. Like I was surprised. Like I know that in the NFL they say you don't get faster. Everybody else does. But you know, 
I, I thought he was more of a freak athletically than maybe he is. Of, of the things I've, I'm actually disappointed by, it's that he doesn't run away from linebackers and, and the, the way I, I thought he would. Um, let me ask you about Andrew Luck. Uh, look, it's a process. It hasn't been two months that he's been throwing the Duke, right? And so I'm, I'm, we're, we should be realistic and just be thankful that he's back on a football field. But when you watched him two nights ago on Monday Night Football, do you believe he can get back to where he was a couple years ago? Unequivocally. Unequivocally. And there's a play in the game where it's a little bit of a quick flash play-action pass, kind of a five-step drop. He puts his foot in the ground, no hitch. He puts his foot in the ground and drives the ball down the seam inside of the zone, and the ball stepped on and driven about 20 yards. And so, one, I wanted to see him have, like, like, we didn't see it in week one, but I wanted to see him have to drive a football into a narrow window. And he did downfield, and he did that. So that was encouraging. And just that rhythm and timing and trusting his eyes and seeing it was encouraging to me. I think that the Colts are, are in this situation. So he was really good week one. Okay, week two, not so great. The reality is no one game plans for the preseason. Right. Certainly not coaches who know what they're doing, and Frank Reich is one of them. The Colts, talent-wise, like, T.Y. Hilton's a good receiver, yes, and Ryan Grant, you're hopeful, is, is, has some good moments and Doyle and whatnot, but they don't have a super-talented team around him. When you don't have a super-talented team, game planning becomes even more important. It becomes a much bigger deal that you can scheme stuff up to get guys to get open or get them in space or whatnot. Well, when you're not doing that in the preseason, you're, you're going to be a little hindered. You don't have guys that you can just go outside and wear people out in coverage. And so I, I'm not going to jump off the ship or get too concerned right now because game planning is going to be such a big part of the success that they do have moving forward. I really want to see once we get into the, pre, into the regular season and Frank Reich is allowed to put his fingerprints all over that offense, truly what he looks like. And I still think it's going to take a month or so for Andrew to really, really settle in. Last thing, uh, Pat Mahomes obviously has ridiculous arm talent. We saw the 70-yard connection with Tyreek Hill. And if you look kind of on paper, this is a ridiculously explosive offense with a young quarterback who can make every throw. But it's a, it's a departure from what the Chiefs have been under Andy Reid to this point, which is super safe, fairly conservative, never turn the football over. Even though I think everyone would agree he has better arm talent and an incredible cast to work with, are they the better because of it? Hmm. Um, here's the thing. It's, so they're going to turn the ball over more. Yeah, he's going to turn it more over than Alex Smith. The, the real thing is what happens with those turnovers. And so the pressure becomes a little bit more on their defense, so, which is not going to be a strength of theirs. So are they better not in September and not in October? No, they're not, because Alex is one of the better guys in the NFL. Are they going to be better maybe at the back end of the season and certainly in 2019? Absolutely. And so at some point that decision had to be made to move on. So it's really interesting because like you referenced, Andy hasn't won a ton of games in this fashion. It's almost similar to what's going on with Alabama and that whole thing with Jalen Hurts and Tua because they've won a ton of games the way Jalen Hurts plays and Tua is a little bit more dynamic and exciting. And so it'll be really important that when Patrick Mahomes is aggressive with the football and maybe makes some turnovers because of lack of experience or too aggressive, that their defense is able to buckle down and, and flip, flip a turnover back with a three and out or whatnot. That's going to be the most important thing. When he turns the ball over, 
What does the defense do in response to it? You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Orlovsky7. That is at Dan Orlovsky7, 12 years in the NFL, ESPN analyst. Dan, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, if you miss any of Dan Orlovsky's interview or any of Dan Patrick's celebrity interviews from the Mercedes-Benz Man Cave. Just go to the Dan Patrick app where you can watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-Benz Man Cave. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. We have more NFL on the way, but straight ahead, one of LeBron James's former longtime teammates talks about the struggles of what it's going to mean to play alongside him. you got to hear this. It's coming up next. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan. It's Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan today. And, you know, every day it seems like there's LeBron James news. And there's some LeBron James news where you go, okay, is this really news? And there's other times where it's like, wow, this is really interesting. And this falls under the category of, boy, this is really interesting with LeBron James. Got more NFL, we'll get back into that coming up in about 10 minutes. But... Channing Fry, who's played with LeBron James the past few years in Cleveland, longtime teammate, was asked about playing with LeBron in an interview he did with USA Today. And to tell you what is in store for the Lakers and the NBA this season, this is what Channing Fry said about playing with LeBron. Quote, when you play with LeBron, he does so much. Whether he likes it or not, it's just him. Everyone else fits into a role. You're a scorer, you're a passer, you're a defender, you're a shooter, you're a rebounder, implying that everybody around LeBron needs to adjust his game, become more one-dimensional, and this is who you are and this is how he sees you because he does so many things. Uh, how's that going to play with the Lakers, Doug? I, I think it's fascinating to see. And and I, I that's, I mean, it's it's one, it's accurate because he, he's lived it, he understands it, um, and two, it's it's how he processes things. And this is this is going to be an issue. I, I don't think there's any questions going to be an issue because that's not the way the Lakers want to play or believe that they want to play. Right? Like you have you have conflicting I don't know narratives or perspectives on how it's actually going to work. Mm-hmm. Remember, Luke Walton comes from two different or maybe even three different systems. One, he was an Arizona guy, uh, which was you know under Lute Olson, which was very free flowing. Um, he sees himself as a Phil Jackson guy, which was triangle. And then, you know, of course, his his success as a coach, as an interim coach with the Golden State Warriors. And the Warriors, though they have a ball stopper and a great one-on-one guy, maybe the best in the league, uh, I believe the best in the league in Kevin Durant, but I think they were 28th in isolation plays, dead last in pick-and-roll plays. Right? They want the ball to move. Mm-hmm. And... That's not the way that LeBron plays. LeBron plays in that, hey, everybody knows their role. And and look, that's what happens with older players. You you learn, you evolve into, okay, well, I'm a shooter, and that's what that's what I'm gonna do. And he's going to make me look better at Kyle Corver couldn't have started or played major minutes for any other playoff team. But with LeBron James, because you can't leave Kyle Corver, he's in he's almost invaluable to what he was doing. I'm fascinated by it because young players have yet to maybe grow into or accept a role that that's the hard part about young players is like Brandon Ingram's like, well, what am I? Well, I kind of do a little bit of everything. Well, yeah, but no, that's not how it works with LeBron. Lonzo ball. Like am I, I'm a passer. Am I a facilitator? Like what am I? And so it works more with the Rondos, with the Lance Stevenson's with JaVale McGee's 
But the core of what the Lakers want to build around is those young players to go around. And they have, and even Channing Fry said in this interview, Lakers have good young players, but there's a, there, there's a very con- contrasting ideas from Luke, from the youth of this team to LeBron James and how that plays out. It could, it's going to be bumpy very early in the season. Well, and that's the thing is I look at it from the perspective of, look, LeBron is still LeBron and he's still the best player in the game for how much longer we don't know. But when Jordan came back out of retirement with the Wizards, he was not the player LeBron is now, but it was bumpy. You know, Rip Hamilton was like, yeah, you know, I'm not just going to sit here and do whatever he wants me to do. And the young guys on the Wizards that were supposedly the future, they clashed a lot. And that's something that that I don't think Jordan thought he had to deal with, but he had to. And now LeBron may have to deal with this. There's a lot of things with L.A. I don't, I don't know that he's ready for. I think he thinks, all right, I know exactly how things are going to go. And there's going to be some things that crop up that are going to surprise him a little bit. The, the, the point about L.A. is also a good one. Everyone thinks they can be a mogul, come to L.A. He's already... I've already had done TV shows and movies in Cleveland. What what could be that hard? It's different when you factor in traffic, kids going to new schools, and so many people pulling at you. But I think the biggest thing is how it works out in the basketball court. It's a little bit more difficult than most would just assume. You plug LeBron in and everybody's better because of it. We have two big stories from the NFL. And also, could a future Hall of Famer be coming back to play in the big three? That's coming up next. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, and for Dan Patrick, this is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan. You can hear our shows on Fox Sports Radio. My show nights, 8 to 11 p.m. Pacific. Doug, 12 to 3, doing his show all week as well as doing this and we got a morning where we're still waiting on uh, the final word on urban meyer the big ohio state board of investigators meeting this morning so hopefully we'll find out the answer to what happens with urban meyer sometime in the next hour two hours i mean they're meeting now so we got to think at some point soon we're going to find out i i want to i want to point this out and there's a bunch of stories you want to get to uh, raldis chapman the status of raldis chapman and the status of of the new york yankees is interesting the, stop me if you heard this before, but the Cardinals won again, again, like remarkable turnaround, or the Dodgers lost again. There's baseball to talk about. There's NFL football to talk about. I want to react to, to hard knocks. Um, but y- yesterday, I just you said that you think the story would be completely different if it wasn't in Columbus, and and maybe you're maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe it's a small cause. I will always tell you this: Clark Kellogg is a, a member of the board of trustees, okay, and of the five human beings that I've worked with that are just better human beings than I am, right? I can't, Clark Kellogg is among those people. He was obviously an All-American at Ohio State. He works for CBS. We work together. I can only, he he has this one expression, which I use on a day. When you ask him, how are are things? um, uh, He has has an incredible way. He said, you know, look, all the important things are great. Right. That's it's a great way of looking mm. at life, right? The, all the important things are great. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't believe in a lot of things in, that happen at colleges. And yes, I do think that football does rule the day. If, if Urban Meyer keeps his job, I, I think Clark Kellogg, if Clark Kellogg signs off on it, then I'm okay with it. Whatever. I, I actually believe in him that much as a human being that uh, I, I, to, to how how he handles things is the way in which things 
I would handle him if I cut away money and fame and all this other stuff. He usually does things because he always does things because they're the right thing. I, I look at it from the angle of if they wanted to fire him, they would have done it already. They would have. Oh, done I, it. I disagree. The, you had you had the fire was the hottest coming off of 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 the news that came out, and at the very least, you had Urban Meyer for institutional control. He kept a domestic abuser on staff for a couple of times. Mark Cuban still runs the Dallas Mavericks, which blows my mind when he admitted to keeping a domestic abuser on staff, and and still that happens. But that is where I, I feel like if Ohio the sexual State really harass, sexual harasser right? sexual, sexual well harass. well and also uh, abusive there was there's video there's pictures of, of her of his uh, former girlfriend right. with a lot of bruises on her face and he decided to keep him on because oh I could keep an eye on him uh, no no that you you create an unsafe work environment for uh, females who work for you and yet still Adam Silver said yeah yeah sure he runs the Mavericks. But it, that's when the pressure was the hottest. The pressure is not hot to fire but that's Urban not, Meyer that's, now. That's not, that's not accurate, though. Had, it, it's not that the pressure is not hot. It's that, look, you have to do, when you're the highest paid member of not just a school, but of the state of Ohio, you have to have due process. You have to have an official investigation. You have to have it done the right way. It, I, I completely did. If you're going to fire him, you can only fire him after the investigation is complete. No, see, you can't just react to you just can't react to, oh, my God, this looks terrible and we have to fire him to save face like that's not the way it otherwise then then that that's what's happened at other places where every then everybody sues you. Then you're going to lose 40 million dollars and you're never going to get another head coach. No, 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 dude. The only way to do it and do it the right way is to have due process and allow an investigation to run its course and then to meet with the board of trustees and hear out exactly what he knew, when he knew, what he did about it. Not conjecture, not what we think happened, what actually happened. Read through all the emails, all the digital, all the digital, uh, all the digital messaging, all of that, all the interviews, and then and only then can he be fired. Uh, I don't think that takes two and a half, three weeks. It absolutely takes we, two we, and a half we, three we weeks. We already had all the information from no, the No, we didn't. Yeah, we, they, we didn't have all the information from the digital messaging. We didn't have, like, no one even knew that Zach Smith had a DUI going back to 2013 until last week. It didn't. Because because of the way things are buried, when, if you're smart and you have money, you can bury things that you get around. You can, there's ways in which they don't, they don't run up the chain to your boss. I, I completely disagree. You, you had These at least, what, take eight, time. People, eight people on this who also probably had a team of people working for that person. That's this investigation where a lot of the, the facts of what's going on has been out there have been out there we they know yes they had to do a decent amount i'm not saying it needed to happen right away and go oh my god zach smith said this they have the text now we have to fire him but you know when you're getting into three weeks okay all, all this time i mean what really it comes down to this did urban meyer report up that zach smith that he knew zach smith was accused of domestic violence in 2015 he lied to big 10 media day who did he talk to that that's it that's the smoking gun did he know did he lie that, of all of the rest of the things, that's what we need to know. And I don't think that takes three weeks to figure out. Who did he talk to? Urban, who'd you talk to? Well, I told Gene Smith. I told somebody else or something else. Okay, and now you talk to Gene Smith. Do you have any evidence of this? No. you have any documentation of this? No. If they do, hey, we have it right here. I told Gene Smith, okay, you're keeping your job or you're not keeping your job. Well, you, that, that's you really all, it. That's the all, game. Yeah, but yes, but you're, you're acting like all of these things can happen in a day. They don't happen in a day. Not a day, but you not three to, weeks. Like, I actually think a 14-day process is a pretty sped-up process for a complete due pro- for for due process. Like I, I, you have to pull all the digital messaging. That that doesn't happen in five seconds. You got to pull all the emails, all of the emails. 
You have to talk with different, you have to talk with the officers who showed up at the scene. Hey, you have to interview, uh, you have to interview Zach Smith. You have to interview his wife. You got to interview all the coaches' wives. You got to interview the head coach, the assistant coaches. You got to interview your athletic director, your associate athletic director, all the different people that you talk to, the HR representative at the school. Like these things just don't happen in a moment, Jason. And when you're talking about a guy who's who's owed, I believe, like $43 million, you, you got to have everything buttoned up if you're going to fire him. You can't just go like, hey, this looks bad, this smells bad, or this looks good, this smells good. You better be buttoned up. You better get it right. This is no different than our disagreement yesterday when we used to work at the other place, which is you get a story, you run with a story because you saw somebody reputable doing it. Like, you got to take a breath and make sure you get it right, not get it first. And especially, especially when you're talking about something as serious as domestic violence and as serious as potentially lying to your boss about it. This is one of those instances where, you know, again, a conversation we had yesterday about working hard. You work hard at this. This is where you work 12-hour days to figure this out as fast as you can to, and to do a good job on it. And really, when, when one crux of it is the entire ball of wax, it's not that difficult. I think it, it could have been just a few days, didn't need to be here two, two and a half weeks, stretching into three weeks, we're moving, and maybe we get it today, hopefully we get it today. And I know they're they're up against the first game of the regular season. This practice is underway in Columbus, and they're getting ready, whether it's going to be a suspension or not. But really, I, I feel if they wanted to fire him, if they were really saying, okay, this is it, then we would have known. If they were working on a buyout, we would have known. Somebody would have leaked, hey, you know what? Urban's out. They're working on a buyout right now. They're working on it for the last game. And we have not gotten that. So that, that that's, a, that's a big thing. That's a big red flag to me that it's been so silent for this and we've not gotten a push. If he was going to be out, that's something that gets out. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm telling you the process of which it takes. Uh, by the way, Pete Thamel, who writes for Sports Illustrated, uh, tweeted this out in, in oh, excuse me, Yahoo. Uh, sorry, Pete, used to write for, for Sports Illustrated, now writes for Yahoo. We all, we all kind of move around. In, that's okay. Shell game in the same company. Pete Thamel uh, tweets out, in an unexpected twist, Urban Meyer has shown up at the meeting. That's the BOT, the Board of Trustees meeting. This is really surprising. Rodney Dunning, uh, Dunningham, uh, who works for WSYX6 in Columbus, Urban Meyer spotted by our crew on campus. Right now, university trustees are discussing outcome of investigation. The decision on the future will be made by the president. See, again, I, again, I, I think you're reading this all wrong. I think that in order to fire him, in order to fire him, um, you you better make sure you got all your ducks in a row. You may, you got to make sure you got all your ducks in a row because the last thing you want is to fire Urban Meyer and have a lawsuit to which, I mean, like you're going to lose all that money. You're going to lose all a football season, but you're also going to lose. You're going to oh, then then do you wait, do you fire your athletic director as well? Like Gene Smith is one of the most respected um, athletic directors in the country. Like you fire him as well. Like wh- where does it? Where does it stop? The president has to worry about his own job as well with the board of trustees. Like there's a bunch of different stuff to get to. And you can't just, hey, what'd you know? When'd you know? Okay, fine. You have to go through digital. You have to go through email. You have to have you have to have face to face with all these people. And these things take time to do the right way. And I, I actually think this has been a sped up, a far more sped up process as opposed to what Maryland's doing, where the kid died going back into June, I think. And their investigation is not going to be complete until September 15th. It, these, it, again, it takes a lot of time to make sure you get all the video evidence. Right? Anything, anything that's done inside those offices, there's video everywhere of it. You can pull it. You can get video for... Well, for, apparently not because we would have got the Zach Smith video a lot sooner. What do, what do you mean? The Zach Smith, the sex video. The Zach Smith 
Sex in the Office. Again, but we, but but, but that, guess I'm, what I found, guys? Look what I found. N- no question. Like again, you have to go through hours and hours but and no, hours and, of and I understand that. If, and any conversation that they have that's had inside uh, OSU's uh, office buildings, it's prop. There's there's a again a video record of it. But the, and but you have to go through it. That takes time, Jason. No, I understand that. And if this was a if this was an investigation where we opened up this huge can of worms and there were seventeen different angles on it, I would agree. But it's on Urban Meyer to prove that in 2015 he knew about these allegations from Courtney Smith and he told the right people. That that's what this is all about. The burden of proof is on Meyer to say, "Hey, I reported it." And what do we what do we get after I, me today? I, yeah, I I I I I passed it up or I reported it, and and you know we, I dealt with the allegations. Okay, what did you do? And this is Urban Meyer, and you're talking to him saying, what did you do? Who did you talk to? Do you have proof on it? And that's that's where your focus is. The rest of the other stuff, did you know? Did you lie? Did you keep a guy who was accused twice now of domestic violence on staff? And that is really what comes, okay, we can't keep you. We can't keep you. That, but, that is but, lack but, of institutional th- th- control. But then there's, then, there's the, then there's the other part to it. Even if he did send those things up the flagpole, even if he did report them to Gene Smith, he still kept him on staff with all kind of, with, with with just this sense of a level of toxicity surrounding him, right? So even if they, even if you come to a conclusion that yes, he did report it to Gene Smith, but even is that good enough? I mean, really, because that's the Paterno thing, right? Mm-hmm. The the Paterno thing was like, hey, I reported it, I did enough. You're like, yeah, but he was still around. He you might have had him off staff, but he's still on campus, right? He was still around the football team. He was still with the with the uh, with the kids and bringing them around Penn State, like you, you still did it. Again, I know this is different, but it's still the idea of, hey, I, I reported it. He still lied to the media and did so in a fashion to which almost demeaned the media, like how dare you ask me about these things that I have told you about. So even if he did it, does, does the board of trustees say, you know what, we still don't want him around. We, we don't want ourselves. Yeah, like I said, it, it would be that easy. Okay, but it's not that e- Again, it's not that easy. You can't just fire a guy in five minutes because you think, I don't like the fact that he lied to the media. You can not like him. You can want, but you have to get all of those people to be convinced, do a thorough investigation so that you can fire him with cause. Firing with cause is a huge, huge issue there because there's a lot of money at stake. And even if the money, you take the money out of it, you, you want to make sure you get it right. And to get it right, sometimes it takes time. You know, I, I disagree with you, but you brought up a really good point a couple seconds ago about lying to the media. He never had to do that. All he had to do, you're asked about 2015, is say, guys, this is a legal investigation, and I, I can't say anything about it. And people would have moved on. Brett McMurphy even said, if he blew us off, we're not going to continue on with this. Okay, it's a legal investigation. They're looking into things, and okay. But he decided to be combative with with Brett McMurphy and with, with the media that was right. there. He brought this on himself. All he had to do was say, because so many guys, there were so many coaches, they know they don't say, oh, I can't tell. That's a legal situation. Okay, what are you going to say? Right. Yeah, but can you tell me this? No, I, I can't. Legally. It's, 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 I, I just can't talk about it. Oh, okay. And it's done. He brought, he brought this on himself. This whole thing would, no not, would not even be talking about it if he didn't do that. Uh, potentially, yes. You're, you're accurate. Yes. He made, the cover-up becomes worse than the crime. And this reminds me of, do, do you remember um, Clear and Present Danger? Was it yes, clear, I think it was. I think it was Clear and Present Danger. It was a movie, yes. Um, where at the very beginning of the movie, Clear and Present Danger is a book by Tom Clancy, and Jack Ryan in this. Jack Ryan is his lead character, a CIA. Uh, he works for the CIA, and not John by, Krasinski. It's Harrison Ford. It's played by case. Harrison Ford. Yeah, and at at the start of the movie, one of the president's close friends 
is killed by by drug lords, right? And it, and his yacht. And it turns out that he's killed by drug lords because he was laundering money for uh for for drug kingpins. And so they're sitting around the Oval Office, and all of these other advisors to the president are saying, "Distance yourself. You barely knew each other. You happened to be in school at the same time, but you weren't friends." And Harrison Ford says, "No, hold on. Don't say you were friends. Say you were lifelong friends. Because the second you get defensive, that's when the media is like, well, now that's when we catch you lying. And once we catch you lying about how there's pictures of you at all these different events, pictures of you vacationing together. If you lie about it, it's going to make it worse." And that's the mistake, the, one of the mistakes that Urban Meyer made. Had he simply not gotten defensive about it and said, like, look, uh, Earl Bruce is one of my mentors. Zach's his grandson. Uh, this is awful, inform- awful information, but I, I cannot speak to personnel matters or to, to matters of, you know, to legal situations. Uh, at the appropriate time, I'd be happy to sit down with you and discuss what I knew, when I knew, and and what I did about it. But but this is not the time. This is not the place. And I'm not able to do so uh, without a lawyer present. It just you run the case, run the risk of litigation. Had he done that, you're right. It it, it wouldn't it still wouldn't look good, but it wouldn't be as bad as it looks right now at Ohio State. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick. Again, the new news that's come in by Pete Thamel from Yahoo. Unexpected twist. Urban Meyer shown up at the meeting, the board of trustees having a meeting to decide what his fate is going to be. In the words of Pete Thamel, quote, this is really surprising. The decision on his future will be made by Ohio State's president. We'll keep you updated on this as the story continues to evolve and if we have any more Urban Meyer sightings on Ohio State's campus. But coming up next, a huge injury from last night. We got to break it down. Could affect the playoff race. We got that coming up next right here, Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Today's show brought to you by Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan today. Our show's heard daily here on Fox Sports Radio. My show at night, 8 to 11 Pacific, 11 to 2 Eastern. Doug, 12 to 3 Pacific, 3 to 6 Eastern. Doug doing double duty this week, as we told you a few minutes ago. Uh, a little bit of new news on the Urban Meyer front. Pete Thamel, who covers college football for Yahoo Sports, says in an unexpected twist, Urban Meyer has shown up at today's meeting that is deciding his fate in Columbus. This is really surprising. Also, Ronnie Dunnigan, who covers Ohio State for WSYX6 TV in Columbus saying that trustees are discussing the outcome of the investigation and the decision on his future will be made by the president of Ohio State University. Uh, look, I, again, this is just me hypothesizing. I do feel like that's a that's a big dog that's a that's a big dogging move if you will. That's a uh, that's kind of like a big boy move by Urban Meyer. And when I mean big boy, I don't mean like that's that's solid of him to show up. That feels like a Oh, you're gonna suspend me? Oh, you're gonna fire me? Let's just see. I'll walk in and do it when I'm around here. You'll understand how big a thing my sort of presence is. It's a little bit different. I don't. He's not hiding out in his house waiting for the phone call to understand to to wait for his fate. It's easier to do that way than it is to do it to somebody's face. I actually believe that that would be my my guess. Again, this is totally a guess as to why a guy like that shows up because the rumors have been some sort of suspension. But again, those are just rumors completely unsubstantiated. Now here's, here's another angle on it. Did he show up because he got wind of, he knows what his fate is going to be. Did he, you know, cause if you're going to stay on, 
If you know you're staying on without anything happening to you, you don't need to show up. Okay, I'm here. I did it. Now, is he getting some kind of discipline? Is he getting a longer suspension than he expected? Is he actually getting fired? And he heard, he says, all right, you know, you want to do this. I'm going to walk in and either let them know how difficult it's going to be or, let, as you said, let them see how big a deal I am. I mean, I don't know if he's walking across campus waving to people like it's a presidential thing and people he's shaking hands and taking pictures going, look, Urban Meyer's doing the stroll across the quad. I mean, I don't know if that's the reason, but I look at it as, is this really going on so behind closed doors and he shows up just out of the blue or did he get an inkling as to what could possibly happen? And, hey, yeah, if you want to go there, I'm going to go there. There is something interesting that I don't know if it's been discussed is, look, I think we would all agree that the NCAA stepped out of their purview in punishing Penn State on the football field for the Jerry Sandusky matter, right? That technically is not within the purview of the NCAA, right? And, we, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of the reasons they had to dial back uh, some of those penalties. On the other hand, the reason they did it was not only the disgust uh, that they had and anybody had with what took place, but also just the idea that kind of what you uttered, which is football is bigger than everything, right? Football is bigger than anything. And I, th- I think one of the things um, that people don't understand about a, about a college campus is it's not always the case. Sometimes football is really powerful, but it's also it's sometimes hard to be an athlete on campus because you get that one teacher that's like, I don't like football. I don't like <laughs> You know, no matter, no matter how much you come in and you prepare, or I don't like basketball. Oh, you basketball guys think you run things like I'll show you. It's it's a very difficult. I, I take Cal Berkeley is the perfect example of this. Right? I thought you were going to tell me I had a professor at Oklahoma State. Oh, that I did. I, oh, okay. you, you would have it's about it was about it was about split, right? You'd have you'd have yes, you would have a basketball friendly professor or two. I had a professor. He's, he's uh, actually retiring at Oklahoma State. One of the best teachers I ever had, uh, Lee Manzer, Doctor Lee Manzer. And he did marketing and you'd go take his class and he, he actually kept the, kept the book at every one of my basketball games at Gallagher Arena. And so the thought would be to anyone outside of still, I'd be like, dude, Lee Manzer, his son played basketball there. Um, uh, his daughter went there. He's a professor. He keeps the book like that's a layup A, A or B, right? Couldn't be further from the case because he held you to a high, he actually didn't hold you to a higher standard. He held you to the exact same standard as everybody else. But he made you feel like, hey, dude. Everybody thinks that I'm in the bag for you. I'm going to make it harder for you. I'm going to challenge you more just to prove it's like being the coach's son, just to prove that I'm trying to be fair. He was almost unfair in the way in which he handled you, which I, I totally respect. He's a great teacher and he'll, he'll be missed. You said uh, he was a doctor. Like, was he a doctor, doctor? Was he a doctor? He wasn't. You wouldn't walk around and go, Dr. Lee Manz. like, what are you a doctor? Right, okay. Marketing. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But like my, my brother, my, my brother was a, an assistant for six years at Cal Berkeley and, and Cal Berkeley, obviously you, outside of UC Santa Cruz, you might not find a more liberal university, but you get a lot of professors. It, the, 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 there's a dichotomy between Cal and Stanford, right? Like Stanford harder to get into. Nobody flunks out at Stanford, right? Nobody ever flunks out of Stanford. Cal easier to get into because they make exceptions for here, for there, whatever. We want to even the playing field. But then you get a lot of professors that are like, yeah, you think football, like, cause it was easier to get in. Like, we're going to make it harder for you. So I-, I think that one of the things that people think the board of trustees, you're going to have all these people like, Hey, listen, we got a four fill a football team. When I think a lot of the, a lot of the academics on the board of trustees and the president, they're scared of the NCAA coming in and being heavy handed. Hey, we did this with Penn state. We'll do it with Ohio state. We don't care. Th- this looks terrible for us. 
to employ a domestic uh, alleged domestic abuser for several years after he's been accused multiple times of the same thing. So and I and I also think there's the academics fighting back for control over the university that they they're like, look, this university was based upon academics and research. And that's that's what we do. Football is football is simply to promote all the other things we do. So there is a there is a, a fundamental breakdown in those boardrooms of of trustees. And it happens in every campus across the country. Uh, we're also getting in right now, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan Patrick, that uh, a door is being guarded that just opened. This is at Ohio State University. Behind it are chairs and the Ohio State backdrop, which seems to be a very strong evidence that a press conference is occurring here today. Uh, Ari Wasserman, who is Ohio State beat writer for The Athletic. So it looks like we are going to get a decision on Urban Meyer coming up at some point I would say in the next couple of hours, if you're setting things up and Urban Meyer is on campus, likely they're telling him what his fate is going to be before they wind up telling everybody else. Uh, so again, as soon as we know more on this, we'll have updates on this coming up throughout the rest of the show today. Uh, but late last night, we saw another situation that could completely impact the pennant race in Major League Baseball. Aroldis Chapman, Yankees closer. Left last night's game against the Marlins in the 12th inning with pain in his left knee. He threw six pitches, and he left the game. Aaron Boone said after the game, Yankee manager, well, we're going to take a look at things and see and see where he's at. He's set for an MRI on his knee. This is where the Yankees are going to find out if Aaron Boone can actually manage. Because so far in the regular season, he has had a very charmed life. He's put out a lineup. And every guy that they've brought up from the minors has turned into an all-star. Miguel Andujar, great player. Gleyber Torres, great player. Did hit the skids uh, most recently, but you know the guy was an all-star. He hit 330 the first half of the season. Everything he has done has worked because he has guys. I'm putting in Aaron Judge in the lineup. I'm putting in Giancarlo Stanton in the lineup. And everything has worked. And now the Yankees are in a crisis. They got Ellsbury out all season. Gregorius is on the DL, though they hope to get him back soon. Clint Frazier's been out for almost a month. Aaron Judge, no timetable for him coming back. They lost Montgomery, Sabathia. That's two-fifths of their starting rotation right there. Of course, Gary Sanchez still probably a couple weeks away from returning. You're talking about half of your starters and and almost half of your starting rotation who has been injured, hurt, as you have fallen now out of contention for the American League East. At some point, Aaron Boone's got to do something. And everything from Aaron Boone is the same. Well, we're going to look at this. We're going to move forward. I know he wants to be the consistency uh, touchstone for the Yankees. But this is a guy that, even by his own admission, he's not been very involved with the team. He talked to the team at a big meeting in spring training. Had a big meeting with the team at the All-Star break. Sometimes he pops into hitting meetings or he'll pop into pitching meetings to say hi and do all that. But by and large, he has done nothing. He has had zero impact. It's basically been, I, I, we're putting I, this team out here I, I, and we're letting things go. Yeah, that, that that's unfair. I mean, like, listen, there's there's still look the job of a manager. There's there's two or three different jobs of a manager during different times of the season. Are we going to find out if he can manage during times of crisis? Sure. I actually don't know if this is the time of crisis. Remember, this is the Yankees will tell you. Well, this is why we got Zach Britton. Now, Britton hasn't been as good as he uh, has as he was with Baltimore, or as he was deemed to be. And some of it was a blocker so that Boston couldn't get him, or or the Astros couldn't get him. Uh, for the playoffs. But remember, the, the Yankees have, they won four in a row. They have a soft schedule right now, and they're going to be, would anybody, would you're, you wouldn't dispute they're going to be in the playoffs. No, they'll be, they'll be in the wild card game. Okay, so um, all that said, yeah, it, it, it doesn't look good 
for starting pitching and rotation and going into the playoffs. And uh, there's going to be a positive bonus. But like, look, they, they play Miami, who stinks. They've uh, they've won four in a row. Then they got four against Baltimore, who's who's fielding a minor league club out there. Then they got the White Sox. You know, so it's like, look, they they're kind of good for a while. Like, I hate to say it is on cruise control, but this is also what the Yankees wanted. They wanted a manager who would manage based upon relationships and analytics. That's what they wanted. Management and not feel, right? Girardi was, hey, I want to do it by feel. I was a catcher. I know what it's like. I've been doing this a while. I was manager of other places. And I, I do think that his inexperience will be challenged on the fly once he gets into that wild card game or potentially once they get into the playoffs. But I would disagree with the idea that well, now we're going to know. He's done a good job. Has he done the perfect job? Honestly, considering all the injuries they've had and their lack of start, even when they are healthy in the rotation, that ain't a good rot- that ain't a good rotation in comparison to what the, the Red Sox are throwing out there. I think he's done a good job, um, but managing during crisis, I think you could you're pointing out points of crisis. But the fact is that they play Miami, Baltimore, and the White Sox right now. I think they're good, and I think they'll be able to get healthy before they get back to the before they play in the wild card game. Yeah, but I think the, a big point of crisis has passed for him in that they they've lost the division. They were neck and neck with the Red Sox for the longest time. Sure. And when when they fell in a lot of trouble, it was it was danger. Will Robinson, danger is there? You know that 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 Yankee plane was losing altitude, and it was nothing from him. Nothing. No 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 jump start. No. Hey, I'm gonna you know. Change up, the, swap up the batting order a little bit. I'm going to move this guy up here. I'm going to start this guy. I'm going to do something different with the bullpen. Now, there's many subtle things a manager can do. It doesn't always need to be. I have a closed door meeting. It doesn't there needs to be things that a manager can impact the game and say, okay, you know what? I'm coming to my defense. Maybe it's during a game where a guy gets called out and he's out, but clearly because Aaron Boone is pissed off, he goes out and yells and gets thrown out of a game. There's many things that a manager can do to to try to rally the team a little bit because sometimes you do get caught in the don't look the Yankees had had a level of excellence for most of the season. But now but unfortunately the Red Sox are having historically one of the greatest seasons in, in baseball history. Correct. So now but you're still good enough. You stayed with them for the longest time. And now basically you've just fallen out and you're happy to just be in a one game and in the playoffs. No, no, they're, not, they're not happy. But again, like you, you act like the, like throwing bats at dudes and calling them lollygaggers. Remember like, look, Aaron Boone, his dad was a manager. Okay. He played, he got, he was managed by a bunch of different guys. He's been around the sport. I think he knows a little bit about how to massage these egos. And oh yeah, by the way, he has to massage the ego of Brian Cashman. Like Joe, Joe Girardi had done had done a, an outstanding job with young up and up and coming players. I mean, like, look, this is people people seem to misremember Joe Girardi. You go back two years ago, like I know somehow Alex Rodriguez has become elevated to where now he's a saint. Mm-hmm. Like you go back two seasons ago, right around this time, or maybe two years and a couple of weeks ago, Mark Teixeira retired midseason. They told they told the world, hey, on a Thursday, hey, Alex Rodriguez's last game is a Sunday. They couldn't wait to get rid of, rid of Alex Rodriguez. They they traded they traded away all of their weapons in the bullpen, and they just decided to play the young guys. Right now, at, from that point, Gary Sanchez gets called up and hits like 19 home runs in like 40 games or something. Aaron Judge stunk, by the way, when he got called up. But the Yankees almost got into the playoffs that year. Then he managed the kind of growing egos and. You know, he had to he had to welcome back uh, C.C. Sabathia, who went to rehab. He's never really had a very good rotation. Like, look, Joe Girardi did a really good job, I thought. But what he was fighting was, he was fighting that Brian Cashman brought 14 guys. When they went to the playoffs last year, 
14 guys in their analytics department traveled with the team. If you want to manage this club, okay, you got to be solid, steady, good with relationships, but you also have to understand this is how we want it to be managed. He's doing what his boss wants him to do, combined with all the things he's learned as a player. Like, look, dude, he grew up, he grew up I know because he grew up 10 minutes from me. He grew up on the baseball diamond at Anaheim Stadium. We're in Kansas City. Like he, this is how he, how he wants to report himself. And the idea that throwing bats or changing a lineup is somehow going to fix something. When, by the way, they've won eleven of their last fifteen games. Right? You can, we can say they're playing a softer part of their schedule, which is accurate. But they've won eleven out of fifteen after that disastrous series when they're swept by the Yankees. So you may Red not. Red Sox. Well, Red Sox. Sorry. Yeah. You you may not like the way the the lack of energy or perceived enthusiasm or involved in the day-to-day based upon your... But the team seems to be reacting okay to it. Well, it's nice that they've won 11 out of 15. It's too late to save the American League East, and now you're going to play a one-game playoff, maybe against the A's. Maybe the pitching matchup favors you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you have Aaron Judge back. Maybe it doesn't. That part of it's over. Like, it's nice to be all concerned and playing well now, but the part when you needed to play the best, you have lost what you, you have lost a big thing of what you were trying to accomplish, and that is winning the American League East, because that's now out, out the window. Now, maybe they got pissed off about it and, and they've bounced back, but uh, yeah, there are playing teams that aren't very good, but that part of it's over. I mean, it's like, oh, it's a, it's so, a, so it's I, a so team. I don't, so I don't understand what this, what this discussion, I, I mean, I don't understand. So what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to find a way to bring the Yankees out when crisis happens. And now we're at another crisis point because now here's Aroldis Chapman out. Here's a lot of guys who are on the DL. And yeah, you're winning games against the Marlins. How many games are you going to win when it comes into September if you're missing these guys? How are you going to manage around this? How you got to know the guys we're going to put in. And how many times have you seen a guy who executes the front office plan and is basically a de facto guy for the front office? That doesn't work on teams. That doesn't work. I guarantee you, Yankee players right now, what do you feel about Aaron Boone? Yeah, he's fine. He's, he's, he's like he's a non-presence, you know, but, around but, them. But but he enables ha- Gary Sanchez to loaf, enables him to loaf, and do, doesn't no no repercussions for not running what, down to first mean, base. What do you mean no repercussions? Uh, like, look, he was whether he was hurt or suspended, he was not on the field the next day, right? Yeah, is that fair? But he said I could have run harder. He actually said I could have run harder down or to he, first base, or he could have gone. It was also a. a a ball that got away from him that he he didn't get that after. That he also couldn't get at, yes. That he, that he couldn't get after. And I'm sure Aaron Boone probably knew his his groin was hurting. But it's like, again, like you, you can lose a guy. You got to be very careful about losing a locker room over how you handle things. The fact is that after that loafing incident, it never happened out in public. But in private, what's to say that he didn't confront confront him? What's to say that that's not how it's handled? Like the idea that he's going to tear into Gary Sanchez when Gary Sanchez might be hurt. I didn't think it looked good. But remember, Gary Sanchez hasn't played a game since that loafing incident. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show, The Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug in for Dan, live from the Mercedes-Benz Studios. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Your move, Aaron Boone. Let's see what you got. Coming up next. A big free agent signing in the NFL, but will it stay a big free agent signing? This is Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, it is the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Today's show brought to you by Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Now, we got hard knocks to get to coming up in a few minutes because we saw 
Look, Urban Meyer's not the only headline coming out of Ohio State. We're likely going to get a press conference at some point in the next few hours in which Urban Meyer's fate will be known. This is all the information we've been getting over the course of the past 45 minutes here on the show. Uh, but uh, when do you hear how he won the first two world wars? Yeah, that was a topic on Hard Knocks last night. Trust me, you got to hear that. But elsewhere in the NFL, the Washington Redskins are absolutely gushing over Adrian Peterson. You know, we talked about this yesterday. It looked like that the Redskins were moving towards Peterson. They had brought in Peterson and Jamal Charles and Orleans Darkwa, and they decided to go with Adrian Peterson. And after his first practice, they signed him yesterday, went through a practice, and the team is saying many glowing things about him. He looks game ready. Redskins head coach Jay Gruden said he's a physical freak. He's in great shape. He was standing straight up. He could have gone on working out for another two hours while other guys were huffing and puffing, keeling over. So here's Adrian Peterson wearing now number 26, not wearing 28 with the Redskins because that's Hall of Famer Daryl Green. And the Redskins say all great things about him. But the flip side is he's no lock to make the opening day roster. Right now he's in the mix with Chris Thompson, Rob Kelly. Uh, I, I disagree. I, I disagree. Like, he wouldn't have signed there if he, if he wasn't making the roster. I, I don't know that he had a choice. I mean, who else was calling Adrian Peterson? I mean, this but, is the but, team that it, had the running back injury. No, but you, you, right. They have two running backs injured, and their top two running backs are hurt. He wouldn't have signed there unless he was guaranteed a spot. That's that's the way it works. You sit there and go like, look, I'll come meet with you, but I'm not I'm not signing unless I'm absolutely on the because if you get cut before opening day, then there is no additional call. So, um, do do I do we know how his because the thing is not the thing with an older running back. And by the way, there is an irony to the idea that he can't play well into his 30s and he can't wear Daryl Green's number. Remember, Daryl Green was the guy that ran like a 4-4 mm-hmm. when he's 40 years old, right? He could still he could still run way older than he ever should have been able to run. Um, but uh, the, look, the thing about when you get older is not, there's a Toby Keith song, right? It goes like this. Big solo cup. I ain't, no, <laughs> I, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. So the idea with Adrian Peterson coming in in shape, signing, being ready to go, and being in incredible tip-top physical condition is awesome. But the harder part when you get into your 30s as opposed to your 20s is your recovery. How do you look the second day when the lactic acid builds up and all of a sudden you're sore, right? How do you, it's not week one, it's week two. It's not week two, it's week three. Remember, these dudes have been going through camp. They're sore. They're beaten up. They've played full contact. They've done 11 on 11. They've done some of the scrimmages. They've done some of the preseason games, whatever. Like they're, they're not the best, but they can, they can still come back and be 95, 90% of what they are at, at optimal. Whereas he's hundred percent today, yesterday. What is he today? And maybe more importantly, once they get into the season, can he maintain the speed, quickness, elusiveness, his body once he starts to take a beating? And that, we, we just don't know. I think we've already seen it. We saw last year it didn't work out with the Saints. And what happened? When the Saints let him go, their offense blossomed because we saw the guys to give the ball to were Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Why? Because they were younger, they had better bursts, and they were they were guys that were just better than Adrian Peterson. So, okay, so maybe you know he's got younger guys on him. Now he goes to Arizona where David Johnson's out, they need somebody, and he has a couple of decent games yeah. and four or five games that are just meh. Yeah. So we've seen him now on two different teams it not work out. Why is a year later and uh, you know now 33 and coming in late in camp, how is this going to be any different? Um, I, I don't necessarily think it could be different, but it, it, like, look, in fairness, I agree. Uh, it's, it's not, I'm not agree with you. It's obvious. New Orleans got better once he left. 
because just like in basketball, there's only so many shots. There's only so many carries and you know, they, they just needed, they needed one guy between the tackles and that was Ingram. And they needed one guy to where they could use him as a hybrid or Reggie Bush type. And they found the kind of the perfect mix. And he was, you know, he, he's got a guy who's used to being a 30 carry a game guy. It's really hard. I think in this particular case, it could work because Washington has had a running game the past couple of years anyway, um, especially going back to kind of last year. But they had two good running backs that both got hurt. And I'm sure he's thinking, look, I at this point in my career, if I'm first down and second down, you just give me the ball and it's three yards in a cloud of dust and I get 15 to 20 carries, I can still be solid. I think with reasonable expectations, you can get reasonable output. The, the, my question is, what happens, obviously, when P. Ryan comes back, but what happens once you get to the third, fourth, and fifth week of the season? Do I think he'll ever be Adrian Peterson MVP? Like, no. Do I think he's Adrian Peterson 1,500 yards? No. But could he be workhorse Frank Gore type? There's no reason he can't. No reason he can't. But he's he's not one of those guys, though, that's a three yards in a cloud of dust guy. What was what was the deal about Peterson is he would get 25 to 30 carries a game, and he would be stuffed. And he's almost like Barry Sanders, where Barry Sanders could have like 15 carries in a row for negative three yards, I, I, and then one run for 85 yards, and suddenly he's having a great day. P, that's who Peterson is, not quite to that extent, but it's bottle up, bottled up. Hey, I break this off here for 15, I break this off for 25, right, and suddenly, that, look, he's but, having a great day. He's not going to get those carries. He's no, not going to no, get that volume. Look, he's this is Carmelo Anthony... In Houston, oh, he's a run. He's a he's a ball stopper. Oh, no, sorry. no, no. He's a, he. It's Carmelo Anthony in Houston. Um, theoretically, should Carmelo Anthony work in Houston? Theoretically, yeah. At this point in his career, if you bring him off the bench, or if you play him with the second team, where he can get all get a bunch of shots, a guy who's used to twenty five shots a game gets ten shots a game against inferior competition. Should be great because he has play, he's playing against inferior competition. He can still get buckets. He can still be himself. But the mental aspect of hey, I've always been a guy that gets introduced. I've always been a guy that gets 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 the gets the big shot. I've always been a guy you get the ball to when the game's on the line. For Adrian Peterson, he still averaged over three and a half yards a carry. Theoretically, theoretically, you give him 10, 12 carries a game, and you're fine. And his production should be better because he doesn't have to expend as much energy into his 30s. That's theoretically. Uh, the problem is in sports, Adrian Peterson hasn't been a backup ever since he started playing football, right? He's always been the guy. And much like Carmelo Anthony, the league has moved away from mid-range and post-up, especially the Houston Rockets. The league has moved away from these type of backs that get it 35 times a game and just mash you, mash you, mash you until they break one. So on paper, it should work. But games don't appear on, uh, occur on paper; they occur they occur inside television sets. If he wound up being someone that could catch the ball out of the backfield, I would say okay. But if you're going to have a guy that's going to give you three yards, well, you could have Rob Kelly give you that. You could have Chris Thompson give you three yards. These guys can give you three yards on a carry. Can they? Sure, they can. We've I, seen the we said they can give you three. That that's that's their career average. But but this is a guy who's done it in the NFL for the last ten years. Knows how to read a team. Knows how to read a defense. Knows where what hole to put the ball into. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. We'll have more on Ohio State. And coming up next, wait till you hear what happened last night on Hard Knocks. Des Bryant and World War II? Fox. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Final hour of the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith and the beatboxing Doug Gottlieb. That's not beatboxing. In for Dan. You're kind of, well, you're kind of human beatboxing. Human beatboxing is not just a... 
it's, it's any kind of noise. Don't you watch Pitch Perfect movies? Yeah. Human beatbox is that's, is not, that's not beatboxing. Is it's it? called human beat, but you can do many different I thought beatboxing sounds of your mouth. beatboxing. Uh, you know, but I, I thought that was more humming along to the background of the theme. Oh, I thought you were doing to... a... No, 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 no. Well, it was very the... good that you can do it. I had no idea. In the old days, human beatbox was just... <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Was, right. Right. Uh, 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 right, but now it's evolved. Right. Like I said, watch the Pitch Perfect movies, and you, I tell you, it's an entirely new world you're opened up to. My daughter likes to beatbox because she likes the music from Pitch Perfect. Who doesn't like the music Pitch Perfect? It's like that was like the first PG thirteen my my kids have ever gotten to watch. Now they watch the Meg. Oh, they're the like, Meg oh, is great, Dad, isn't we it? got Dad. Their, their grandma was in town last week. She took us to see the Meg. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> like, great. Uh, you want to go to the beach today? No. <laughs> no. It's a megalodon. Uh, any nightmares? Everything okay? No. Because my daughter just saw it too. Loved no, it. They found, loved, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. it. I think it was. I think it's. It's such a suspension of disbelief. Yeah. It, that it's like you know. Plus, he was, he was, it's, it's interesting, like, what they learn. You know, you learn little things from it. What's the Marion's Trench or something like that? that Mariana the, Trench. Mariana Trench. Yeah. Right? He's like, Dad, it's not really real. But they went down to Mari, uh, below Mariana's Trench, and that's where the Megalodon was. <laughs> like, how'd you know what Mariana's <laughs> Trench was? That's the deepest part of the, uh, of the ocean. Like, it becomes a fact. Right, right, so right. So just so you know, Hollywood, if you make a movie, you better make sure you get your facts straight. Well, it is. Mariana Trench is a real thing. No, I know it is. Yeah. But make sure, you know, you get every little... I'm not... I'm using Cause, that Oh, because like, kids are going to walk going, around. Yeah. That, that's that's a history lesson for children. That's how I've learned stuff. Yeah. Well, I got, I got... Just real quick. Can I give you one theory real fast? Give me one theory real fast. Go. This, I should put this on Reddit and see where it goes. The Avengers, who disappeared and died at the end of, of uh, Infinity War, right? Wow. The ones who all turned into... Spoiler alert right? for anybody who hasn't seen the, the new Avengers movie. I, I didn't say which ones died. But the ones who died, right? The ones who died turned into, okay, into yeah, ash. Ready? What about this? They're the ones that are alive. And the ones who are left alive that we think are alive are really dead, and they're living in an alternate reality. That the ones who disappeared that turn into ash, like, oh, my God, they're, they're the ones that are really alive. It's great. I do not know how that pertains to sports, but it's a really, really good I'm just good saying. Theory. I'm throwing that out really there. Put that out on Reddit. You did. <laughs> If you know, if Twitter's, I always say Twitter's like the wild, wild west. Reddit is like through the looking glass. It's like it's like you go. Yeah, suddenly the Mad Hatter is next to me, and we're having a tea party. That's what Reddit can be. Uh, we're chasing. As soon as we find out more information on the Urban Meyer situation, we will bring it to you. The headline this morning: the Board of Trustees at Ohio State have deliberated the findings of a two-week-plus investigation into Urban Meyer and how others may have mishandled domestic assault accusations made against former assistant coach Zach Smith. Uh, The meeting began shortly after 9 a.m. Eastern time, and a vehicle registered to Urban Meyer was parked Wednesday morning outside the building where the trustees were meeting. Now, this could be Urban Meyer getting fired. It could be him getting suspended. It could be him getting zero discipline. Uh, but in the words of board chairman Michael J. Gasser, the board was gathered to discuss personal matters and the employment, compensation, and discipline of a public official. So that could, like I said, it could mean anything. We also got reports a little bit ago from Ari Wasserman, who covers Ohio State for The Athletic, said there is a door being guarded that uh, behind it are chairs and the Ohio State backdrop, which is strong evidence a press conference will occur later on today and you know we've talked about this last hour in the show as soon as we know more we will bring it up and and give you the latest on it i have a feeling tomorrow's entire show is going to be all about the fallout from whatever happens with urban meyer today but elsewhere in ohio it's like ohio is the center of the sports universe today 
last night we had the newest episode of Hard Knocks, and there's a couple of big things to get into from the episode last night that's following the Cleveland Browns and chronicling their adventures in the preseason. And surprisingly, the star last night wasn't Baker Mayfield. It wasn't Jarvis Landry. One of the big stars that we met for the first time was Bob Wiley. Bob Wiley, who is the offensive line coach yeah. for the Browns. And he's a guy you look at him and you would say, if you say, what does this guy do for a living? He's, he's a line coach in, in the National Football League. He's straight out of Central Cast. That's what he does. Yes. Yeah, that's who you want. Uh, there's a big meme of him when he's calling Hut Hut. You see his belly moves to the, to the exact same time as him saying Hut Hut. But he saved his best analogy for when he tried to talk about why players don't need to stretch fancy with bands and all kinds of crazy stuff because we won two world wars without all that kind of crazy technology. Take a listen. World War One, World War Two, all those guys that fought in that war, right? They did push-ups, jumping jacks, sit up, climb the rope, and ran. But none of this fancy, okay? Right? And they won two world wars. Two world wars by doing jumping jacks, push-ups, and sit-ups. Two world wars. You think they were worried when they're running across Normandy about stretching? Are you kidding me? Huh? Well, let me see. Give me my rubber band so I can stretch to run across that. You got to be kidding me. You think that's what Truman said? Hey, uh, you know, Mr. President, you think we can win this one? Yeah, we got guys doing jumping jacks and they're doing push-ups and sit-ups. We're going to just destroy these guys and send them back over. I, I don't know that that's exactly the conversation that was going on. There, there is, there, it, is, it is, though, funny, though, right? Like, he, he actually does, in a Neanderthal way, he does make a great point, which is, like, really, do you really need to make sure your T-bands are loose before you get out and play football when, when you know, like, look, you can do push-ups and sit-ups and... You know, and and lunges with no weight and be perfectly fine. I, I th- look, it's it's funny and it, it there's there's a lot to it. Plus, he's got the gut that moves every time he yells. Hut. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I don't amazing. think he's done a lot of push-ups and sit-ups lately. That, that's it's really amazing. Um, I always always loved like the fat coach that yells at other guys for being out of shape too. That's always <laughs> that's always amazing to me. I was waiting for a Rocky Four reference. You think Rocky? Well, look at Rocky beat. Dra- Sorry, spoiler alert. You know Rocky beat Drago. You saw Rocky. He was like he was lifting stuff up. He's running through the snow. You had Drago was taking needles and compuboxing and, and training on all this ex- exotic stuff. And what happened? Does Rocky a, beats him. Does make a good. Hey, Rocco pulls this one out, right? I don't. Wanna, <laughs> um, he does make a good point though. I don't remember anybody in Saving Private Ryan going, Ah, oh, Hammy, Hammy, Hammy. I'm at two to four. I'm at. I'm at two to four. With a with a hammy, I thought my my big takeaway was Des Bryant being you know parading himself around, and I don't even mind the you know the shugging everybody the half handshake half hug, dapping everybody up, walking in you know hey I'm I'm I just I want to just kind of fit in, act like I know everybody. I thought he looked like a guy who so doesn't get it, right? So doesn't get it. He looked like a guy who. It's too soon for him to be on a date, right? <laughs> okay. He was in a long relationship, <laughs> sure, and it's it's just too soon because he's still talking about even without talking about the ex, he's talking about the ex. He shows up, and Des Bryant has a spiritual gangster uh, cut off T shirt, and you could say like, look, if you if I had arms like that, I would never wear sleeves. That's great, but you're also not on a job interview. And even if you want to wear the spiritual gangster shirt and some shorts. Like you can't take your headphones off when you come in for a meeting, and when, when he was asked, um, by Hugh Jackson, like what he's looking for, he said this. 
Cause just this new to me. Right. Just being honest, all this new. The way, I get it. Just being honest, the right. way you expressing yourself, uh -huh. the way you talking to me, mm -hmm. like I barely even know each other, right. and I feel comfortable. Oh yeah. You know, it's like that's what that's what these players want. Mm -hmm. Just I'm just I want to just be honest with you. Right. Just want that realness, cause right. I, I'm, I'm gonna give you who I am. I feel like I'm an easy person to talk to. I love. I love learning. Mm -hmm. I want to know things. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's something I'm not doing right, mm -hmm. I want to know those mm -hmm. things because I feel like you know we all deserve that. We no, all deserve no, an no, opportunity. No. Right. Like, listen, he he wants, and it's a it's something that somebody clearly told him that he has people perceive him as being uncoachable. But I don't think like, you're coming for a job interview dressed for the job that you want. Right. You're the veteran. You're supposed to come in and you want to be real. What you're still saying to us is you can't go over the fact that you feel like the Cowboys lied to you. Um, and you think that the reason that you're out on the street is because the perception is that you're uncoachable. Look, you're trying to get a new job. You're trying to be the vet. I want to learn, but I also want to teach. I got these younger players. He should sit there and go like, look, Jarvis Landry wants to get to the heights that I've been to. You got Josh Gordon. Who knows more about overcoming off the field stuff than I do? But he doesn't look the part. Like Again, you want to be real. Like It's great to be real and have your headphones, but you take them off and you put on, you don't have to put on a suit and tie, and you don't have to put on a collared shirt, but just put on a shirt and put on some pants or, or wear nice, you know, nice shorts and a nice shirt and walk in and look everybody in the eye and understand, ask questions, but also have the answers prepared. He just kind of came in and winged it. And that's what he did. And it looked like a guy who winged it. He looked like a guy who wasn't ready to be on that first date that still in his back of his mind was trying to, I just, I need somebody to be honest with me because the last place wasn't honest with me. I need you to tell me that you're into me if you order for me to want to date you. I just thought it was either too soon for him to be on a date or it may be the fact that he can never get over the relationship which was lost with the Dallas Cowboys. See, I don't think this is about the Browns at all. What happened to have Des Bryant end up in Browns camp? First couple weeks of hard knocks come on. Jarvis Landry becomes a big sensation, giving that big fiery meeting to the other wide receivers after a couple of days of practices, and he realizes, okay, there's something going on with the Browns. They're getting a lot of attention. As you said this week, if you're going to stink, at least be entertaining. The Browns are definitely entertaining, and they're something that cuts through. Des Bryant says, hey, I'm going to start my visits next week. No one was waiting for him to come visit their team. Nobody was. And I'm going to start in Cleveland. Why is he going to Cleveland? Because it's a PR move. And I guarantee you, him and his agent got together and he talked to him, you know what? Go see the Browns and let them see who you are and get out there and we'll get your your name will be relevant again. It'll be talked around NFL circles. Hey, Dez is there. And and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go to Cleveland. He wanted to accomplish that. He got the meeting with Hugh Jacks here, I'm telling you, I'm going to be real. I want to do all these things. He went into the equipment room and said hi to the equipment guys. He tried to do the best as he thought he could to try to rehabilitate that image and get people talking about Des Bryant again. I don't think he wants anything to do with the Browns at all. I think he's hoping that this is going to be okay. So there they go. People got to see it because people all around the league see it. You know, look. Yeah, it, I, I, I totally agree. all around the league completely see it. Completely agree this, with this you. This is all a PR thing for him. Great, and the, but the, I don't think the PR is good coming out of it because I, I do think that it's transparent. But even more than transparent, if he if you're bringing Des Bryant in, he has to come in understanding. Hey, dude, you're not the guy anymore. You're the vet now, right? You're not you're not in your twenties. You're in your thirties. 
you got to come in completely buttoned up, completely accepting of your role and of your responsibility on and off the football field. Teach our younger players what to do and maybe more importantly, what not to do. And it wasn't just a job interview with the, with the Browns. It's a job interview with the league. And this is what so many people don't understand about their own place of business. And athletes, it takes until you're out of sports to really understand, is they all talk. And yes, they all watch that show. But a lot of guys in, in league offices don't have time to watch what's going on with the Browns. They just don't. They're worried about their own 90 cutting down to 53. But you go into Cleveland, how was Dez? He was Dez. What's that mean? He kind of came in with like Dez. He had headphones on, he had short sleeve. He didn't really have much to say. He said kind of all the right things, but she didn't feel like he really meant it. Like they all talk. And I would agree with you. It wasn't just a job interview for the Browns, a job interview for 32 teams. And I'm sure plenty of them were like, hard pass, hard pass. Well, certainly walking in, he'd have one strike against me because you can't wear your headphones to come in. To talk. I mean, come on. I mean, come in like you're doing. But that's what that's part of it. He thought, I got this. And I'm going to be me, and right. I can do my own thing, which is what he's thought from the beginning. Oh, three years, $21 million with the Ravens. Now I want something more than that. Dude, Latrell Sprewell, remember what he did? Three years, $21 million, I got a family to feed. Yeah, you're, going, you're the guy down that same path. He may not play in the NFL again because he thought, oh, I, I, I need more than that. I, I need more than this because th- this is who I am as a player. No, you're a diminished player. Just because you think you are still the same player you were, everybody knows, boy, the last three years you have not been very good. So that's why no one is trying to sign you. So he need no, he doesn't just need an agent to tell, okay, go and do this PR thing, but go and do it the right way. But he has not had people telling truth to power in quite a long time because his career path would have been a hell of a lot different if he did. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick live from the Mercedes-Benz studio. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. Coming up next, could a future Hall of Famer be coming back to play? This is the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Public Wi-Fi at airports may be riskier than you think. Hackers are disguising their networks to look like public Wi-Fi, and if you're on a hacker's network transferring data to or from a financial institution, it could go straight to the hacker's device. If you use public Wi-Fi, make sure your security software is up to date. There's so many threats in today's connected world, it just takes one weak link for criminals to get in. Good thing new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. If you have a problem, their agents will work to fix it. No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor transactions at all businesses, but new LifeLock with Norton Security can see threats you might miss on your own. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. That's 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code PATRICK for an extra 10% off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card with annual enrollment. That's 1-800-LIFELOCK, promo code PATRICK, extra 10% off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card with your annual enrollment. That's promo code PATRICK. Terms apply. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, live from Mercedes-Benz Studio. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Jason Smith and Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick. We'll have an update on the Ohio State situation coming your way later on this hour. Board of Trustees meeting as we speak to discuss the fate of Urban Meyer. Can you hear my show nights here on Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 11 Pacific. Doug, later on today from 12 to 3 every day during the week. And 
You know, outside of all the big NFL stuff we talked about today, baseball, we'll get to a big baseball story coming up in a couple of minutes. Kobe Bryant, name resurfaced the last couple of days, heavy in rotation because it's been implied that he will come out of retirement to play in the big three. They're not this year, but next year. Now, this is something that's kind of gained momentum until it was squashed by one of his advisors who said yesterday, look, Kobe's not coming out to play in the big three. Forget about it. He's not going to come. He's not going to show up. He's done playing basketball. This is the reality for Kobe Bryant, and I can't say I'm surprised because this is Kobe Bryant has moved on in his life. He has moved on to things that he sees just as big an act as basketball in a different world. He is a venture capitalist. He is funding things. He is a money guy. He is an Oscar award winner. You know, once in a while, he comes down and does something involving basketball, which is like, hey, now I'm going to come back and help a little bit. So he always keeps his toe in the game because he knows, look, this is what's made him who he is, but he has moved on from basketball in his life. Now listen, uh, well, in terms of him playing basketball. Yes, yeah. of course. Now he has his, his daughter's team, which he coaches, uh, you know, Mamba Inc., and then, of course, other some NBA players like... Very uh, well-funded Mamba Inc. Which, uh, <laughs> um, and you have Jason Jason Tatum, of course, came out, and he's worked with other players. He advises some players in the, in the NBA, and he does so kind of privately and doesn't, doesn't do it to show. But the idea of him playing in three-on-three, where it, it does fit into who Kobe is and just, hey, I'll play anytime, anywhere. The problem with it is his last game was 60 points. And while it's not Michael Jordan hitting the game-winning shot against the Bull, against the Jazz, which should have been Michael Jordan's last shot. He shouldn't have come out of retirement for the Wizards and try and fix things for the Wizards. We kind of screwed it up as a, um, as a front office executive. I, I think that, that that's his Derek Jeter moment. Derek Jeter, 5 for 5 in his last game. Dropped the mic. He had the Mamba out. You can't go Mamba out and then, oh yeah, Mamba back in. Look, I've been told he's been I like offered, that. Mamba out, Mamba back in. He, he I mean, like... President Obama copied the Mamba mm-hmm. out, yeah. right? When when the President <laughs> of the United States copies your end of speech, like you've officially made it if you hadn't been crossed <laughs> over, if you hadn't made it before. He was offered a crazy amount of money to play in China. He turned it down. I'm sure the big three has offered him a crazy amount of money. I, I agree with you. He doesn't play basketball anymore. He's no longer a basketball player. And in, in addition to what he was able to do with Dear Basketball and win an Academy Award, he also now we, we read what is it last week that the the six million dollar investment or whether the six million dollar equity stake that he took in a sports drink is now worth but two hundred valued at two hundred million dollars uh, once it's been linked to Coca Cola work with the cross promotion with it so I I think it's one of those things to which look the big three has become a thing you have legitimate quality former All Star NBA players playing in it I don't think it'll get to the point where superstars ever play in three-on-three, because when they're done, they're done. Well, two things with, with Kobe. You, know, you, you talk about the imprint of his final game, is that yesterday was one of the craziest days that this country has had in quite a long time with huge, incredible news items dropping one after another. And you look at Twitter, and you look at what's trending, and you saw Manafort trending, and you see 675,000 tweets. Right? So, okay, then you saw you know Cohen treating uh, trending, and it was you know four seventy five thousand tweets, and it was six hundred thousand tweets. Kobe Bryant has sixty, and his final game ends, and in those final few minutes, you get to the top of Twitter, and it was Kobe Bryant two M. You're talking about two million people. I've never seen more people tweeting about one topic on Twitter at a time than we see two million people 
on his last game. That's how big that 60 point that last game was is that, you know, look, maybe it would have been this way in the past, you know, Jordan hitting the jumper over, you know, over Brian, Brian Russell to win. You know, maybe it would have been, but that two that tells you that moment. It's really hard to come back from that and go, I just walked out absolutely on top. I just, I, I just walk. I can, and everybody knew it was my retirement game. You know, to come back out and play, you know, what's the win? What, what's a, what, what's a win for him to come? Unless it's, oh, I'll come out and play, and here's whatever money you're going to give me. I, it's going to go to this charity. It's going to go here. It's going to go there. You know, that's the only win. But really, is that going to be a win? Because if he comes out and he plays, boy, looks like Kobe hasn't played in a while. You know, that that's a loss for him. Right. I, I, I just, I, I, he had to push his body. Just to get it to finish. Remember, he had a terrible last season. He'll even tell you mm-hmm. I was terrible that last season. So he had to push his body to limits, and you run the risk of getting hurt. You run the risk of hurting your name. If he needed the money, or if he wanted to donate the money to charity, I, I just, I think it goes counter to the I've always been a play for the love of the game guy. I'm, you know, I'm now I make money other places. It's, it's not going to happen. It's a great pipe dream for Ice Cube to have, and I think it's one of those things in which you're flattered, right? Like it's one of those things I. I take it as flattering when somebody asks, beg, basically begs a guy to play, even though a league is being very, very successful. But I, it's, it's not going to happen. How have they not called the Ball family? LeVar, LiAngelo, and LaMelo. How have they not called them to come play? Well, um, I know you need more than three guys, but I mean, well, on, first really. of all, Lon- Lonzo them? can't play because he plays in the no, NBA. No, no, no. LeVar would play. And then you would have Lamelo shooting but that's, from forty but feet that's away. When, again, that's when you that, that, that's when you like it doesn't become a legitimate league, right? There have been Ice Cube has said this before. Like he's like, dude, I got plenty of like rappers and entertainers that want to play, but we want to make this legit thing about legit basketball players. And I do think that becomes the once there's once there's fights and once they're like legit fist fights and once you put entertainers on it. That's when you know it's jumped the shark. That's the that's when Fonzie's officially jumping jumping the shark with a big three. Once you see the game out there playing in a in a three on three on Fox Sports One or on Big Fox, then you then the big three's officially jumped the shark. Because the the players are actually a lot better. I'm like, look, do you have Baron Davis? You got some of these dudes that are good. They got good players. Um you now you play basketball with a lot of other guys that played in the NBA, have been college basketball. I could stars. not play in the three on uh, three. You guys couldn't play? No. You and Miles Simon, those guys, the team you play on, you couldn't do it? Miles, no. I don't think, I don't, you'd have to ask him. He probably, he, he probably was like, look, if I train and I got in shape, I, I could play, but pro- he'd probably say no. I mean, I don't think, he could, he could probably do it. Uh, I mean, he, he trains, he obviously as a coach, assistant coach for the Lakers, he could probably do it and do it pretty well, but I know I couldn't. But no I. You have guys, to go up and down. It's only half court. You don't have to worry about running. It's not up about and down. going up and down. Like first, <laughs> they're, they're just better. Those guys are really, really good. Like those guys were all legit NBA players, and yeah, they're longer in the tooth and they don't move as quickly. But it's not a game about speed and quickness anymore. First, my game is better in the open court than it is in the half court. I wouldn't be strong enough to play in the low post against those guys. And I'm not a good enough shooter to stretch them out. Like I, I don't. I'd have to be happy to coach. Because my team would shoot all threes and all fours, <laughs> but I, 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 I couldn't play that. What I tell you about going to the basket? You stay back out behind the arc and shoot. No question. Do the math. Do the math. Take those four-point shots. Do the absolute math. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Meanwhile, another big story out of L.A. today. We saw a big trade in Major League Baseball yesterday. We saw the national, a couple of trades. They waved goodbye to Matt Adams and, more importantly, Daniel Murphy, who they trade away to the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs have not been hitting well lately. Murphy's been raking ever since 
the All Star break, and look, the guy's one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. He's hitting three hundred. He's hitting like I think three fifty since the All Star break. But what's kind of got lost in the story? Okay, Daniel Murphy got traded. Matt Adams, the Nationals are waving the white flag. Bryce Harper nearly left. They tried to trade Bryce Harper ahead of the deadline, at the end of this month, and one team claimed him on waivers, but. According to the Nationals, we couldn't figure out a deal with this team, so they pulled Bryce Harper back. According to reports, that team is the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they couldn't work on a trade to get Bryce Harper for the last six weeks of the regular season. Now, this really shocks me that the Dodgers make this move, okay, and maybe you get Bryce Harper and you have a big run and you can convince him, hey, he stays, and suddenly you didn't think you were getting him, you get him, or he helps you win. But, you know, I feel like the Dodgers got to look after their bullpen. You know, it's like it's one thing to say, okay, it's great to have Bryce Harper, but you see where your problem Your problem's not been hitting the baseball. Your problem's been, you know, the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings have been just absolutely crushing you. The yeah, last but, it, but like, look, if, if, if you could get them on the cheap, you'd take them on the cheap. Of course you would, right? So, like, I understand that you want bullpen help, but if somebody says, like, hey, you don't have to give up much to get Bryce Harper, and I actually, I don't think this is a big it's not a big departure for the nationals to put him out there on waivers. It's not, you know, getting rid of two other very good players. Um, actually I think would help the nationals in what they're, this is nothing more than what the Yankees accomplished two years ago, right? This is what the Yankees did is the Yankees knew they were going nowhere. So they got to share to retire. And then they told Alex Rodriguez to get lost. And then they trade away as many pieces that they could all while telling, you know, like, Araldis Chapman, like, look, dude, we want you back next season. But we, we know we have to turn over the roster in order to be competitive. They, they didn't get rid of the best pitcher in, or one of the two or three best pitchers in the National League. Uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't change any of their starting pitching. They didn't really get any of their younger players. And the idea that this means they're bidding adieu to Bryce Harper, it doesn't. They put him on... He could have been traded at the trade deadline. Nothing about that they felt like was appropriate value, and they couldn't work out a deal with the Dodgers. Bryce Harper is going to stay based upon, one, the bottom line, and then, two, does he think they can get back to the playoffs somewhere they've been for the last six years? See, I, I don't know that Washington Nationals really know what they're doing or what they want to do with Bryce Harper because he's a guy they want to keep. Now, I can't keep Bryce Harper. I can't give a guy $400 million or $300 million because you've had the best of Bryce Harper and you've not gotten to the World Series. So now, if you're investing that much money in him, you need to invest more money around him to get better. You've had him and you've had Max Scherzer and still you've not been able to get there. You had an all-star team two years ago and you still couldn't get to the World Series. The season goes on, and I'm figuring, okay, they're, they're going to try to re-sign him and keep him. He's their star. They're going to keep him in D.C. And then the night before the trade deadline, the Nationals announce, hey, we're taking phone calls on him. Yeah. You want to call for Bryce Harper? Okay. It's a bit of a mixed message, but okay. But no, no, now then suddenly Mike Rizzo says, oh, I didn't get any offers. We want to keep Bryce Harper. We're not trading him. Then why did you tell other teams that you're taking offers? You want to say due diligence? Okay, that's fine. But now you're trying to pass him through waivers so you could potentially trade him. And if I'm Bryce Harper, or, or, or I read the tea leaves on this and go, okay, they tried to trade him. They tried to let him they tried to let him go here. This is not, hey, we're helping Bryce Harper out by allowing him to go to a pennant race because we would have known that already. That would have been something the Nationals would have gotten in front of. They would have said, hey, we want to help him out, but obviously we want him to be a big part of our team in the offseason. He's leaving. He's going to leave. His celebration winning the home run derby at home was like you would give if you hit a walk-off home run in the World Series to win the World Series. You won the home run derby. 
and 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 he's running around and the fans are going crazy. His jersey's coming off and there's champagne all over him. And dude, you won the home run derby. I get it. It's home and it's the biggest thing you've had to really celebrate at home. But that was his goodbye. Hey, that was his moment to say, thank you for everything. This has been great. Here's the biggest spotlight on me. Because he's going to move on. If he was going to stay, the Nationals wouldn't even consider trading him. I I I I disagree. I I totally disagree with you. And I'll, I'll tell you why. You have to. All right, what is his value? What can we get? Can we get a legit top quality prospect or two or three for him? That's going back to trade deadline. Can we get something for him? Because we're gonna. Or can the pitch to Bryce Harper be like, look, dude, our offer is still the same because we don't know what his value is. There are a lot of people that believe, hey, Bryce Harper should sign a one year, a short term deal, twenty five, thirty million dollars, stay in D.C. because he hasn't had a great year, you know. Um. He he hasn't had a hasn't had a great year. He, he's on base three eighty one. I know he's hit 30, 30 home runs, so he's on pace to hit forty. But has he has he put up the type of numbers to which he could command three hundred or four hundred million dollars? Or is there the space with the Yankees? Is there the space with the Cubs? Is there the space with the teams that can pay? Right, like of the teams that can pay, how, how many teams can pay that that sort of salary? Right, Nats can, Cubs. Maybe White Sox, um, Yankees, Red Sox, Angels, Dodgers. Anybody else? No, and of those teams, he wants to go higher profile. He would just stay in Washington if that was the case. Okay. I don't think he's going to go to the White Sox, a team that's going to be, well, I'm not going to the number two team in the market. Right. So, okay, so. Sorry, that means the Angels are probably out. Maybe, I'm sorry. maybe, but but what happens if in the year between now and next year or in the offseason they buy out Albert Pujols and they're like, look, we got Shohei Otani, we have Mike Trout, we got we, we got you and all of our fifteen pitchers that are on D, uh, the DL come back and you pick your manager Mike Sosha's Mike Sosha's finally out at the end of the year like there's a lot of unknown there and so I I understand that it feels like well you think about trading a guy that means he's gone but the Araldis Chapman thing leads you to believe otherwise and if there wasn't a conversation between Rizzo and Scott Boris or Rizzo and Bryce Harper that's something else but if they talked about like look. We're still going to offer you a contract. We still want you back. We're just trying to get the best pieces in place. This season is a wash. We need to try and continue to get young players. And while these guys have some sort of value, get rid of them. Look, the reason you hold on to some of these named players a little bit longer is to get people to, one, go to the stadium, and two, sell season tickets for next year. That's why the Yankees waited so long two years ago before they got rid of Alex Rodriguez before they got rid of Mark Teixeira, because their fear was, hey, no one's ever going to re-up for Yankees season tickets with all these young guys. And what happened was they waited, and Gary Sanchez hit so many home runs, they're like, oh, Gary Sanchez is our next star, and they sold tickets based upon his name. They could have traded Harper at the deadline. They had a, they had big conversations with the Indians, and it came. they were getting three prospects that were really good. Yep, They wanted Shane Bieber, who was one of the top two prospects in the Indians organization. The Indians said, yeah, that's a little bit too much for us. But if you're the Nationals and you're really set, set, settled on this, okay, well, all right, we tried. This season we're not going anywhere, but we'll make this trade. We'll get three good players that are going to be part of our future, and we'll bring Bryce Harper back at the end of the season. And still they backed off of it. They, their message is not one where you can tell this is what their strategy is. I don't know. Do they want to keep him? Do they want to? My mind, Bryce Harper has moved on. He knows I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be someplace else. Somebody else is going to give me money. Scott Boris has told him, listen, 
The Yankees want you. They're going to do this, this, this. The Dod- somebody else wants you this. But the Nationals really had no message to say. Okay, this is what- so. If I'm Bryce Harper, why would I really even consider? I'm like, you were going to trade me, and then you're not. And then we heard some names are even being thrown back and forth. And then you pulled me back. And okay, you gave us a chance to make a run at things. We haven't really made a run. We're a game under 500, and now you may be trying to trade me again. You tried to trade me to the Dodgers. It didn't work out. I mean, what kind of message well, does, that, look, does that send to you? Look, they're obviously chasing the market, right? People, people do this all the time in real estate where, hey, real estate market's hot. Well, let's list our, let's list our house. Our houses, instead of, we always thought we could get $400,000 for our house, let's list it for five. Right? Guy down the street sold for four seventy-five. They got an angel buyer. So you list it for five, and all of a sudden it sits, it sits, it sits on the market. You lower your price, you lower your price, you lower your price. Well, you already, you already put down money on another house at a contingency buy that if you sell your house, you've already kind of mentally moved on to selling that house. Now you end up giving away your house for like three seventy-five below kind of market value because you chase the market. So like, I like the fact that like you, you, you didn't give them away and you have, you have, you can use between now and the end of the season to show Bryce Harper. You still have a, cu- a, a couple of great pitchers. We still know you will work for as far as contract. Do I think it's a great plan? What they've been able to execute? No. Um, but I also understand that just because you offer up somebody in a trade and you're not willing to make that trade doesn't mean you don't value the guy you have or you haven't had conversations that you still don't want to retain him. I, I think the big unknown is you can tell me that, that Scott Boris says there's somebody out there that's going to pay $400 million. I want to see it. I want to see it. Bring me the op- Show me the offer, Scott. Don't tell me it's the unnamed team. If I'm the Nationals, everybody thinks they know. No one knows what the market's going to be. Even though he's far younger than the guys last year, think of how many players in Major League Baseball aren't in Major League Baseball this year because because they moved on from older players. They lowballed them all. That was the story of last season, and nobody knows the market for this upcoming offseason. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show, the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan today. Coming up next, we got the latest on the Urban Meyer situation at Ohio State. Everything we know up until this moment in time is likely a decision could be coming at any minute. That's next right here, Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Today's show brought to you by Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. My show heard nights here on Fox, 8 to 11 Pacific. Doug's every day, 12 to 3. Doug doing a show in a couple hours. Working with you the last couple days, I'm, I'm sucking down Diet Coke like Michael Keaton in the paper. It's like, you know, Diet movie. Coke at another, 6 another, in the morning, another 7 Marisa, in the morning. Another Mar- Marissa Tomei movie. <laughs> Michael Keaton, good. He was good in that, he was good in that movie. What, uh, what did I tell you? Three Diet Cokes before you tell me something like this. Three Diet Cokes I need. All right, listen, uh, Dan always says what, what we have learned, but, but let's kind of just kind of fire through a couple of things. We just talked Nats. We talked some Yankees. Stop me if you heard this before. Dodgers lose again. Boy, that, that ship be sinking. But the Cardinals win again. How amazing is this Cardinals turnaround? They were 500 before. Now they're like 18 games over 500 all of a sudden. The Cardinals look like a playoff team in the National League. Um, the Ohio State thing should be coming down today. Most people think that Urban Meyer is going to keep his job. Some sort of suspension, but we don't know. Uh, you think they should have known or should have announced it a long time ago, right? Or you said if they were going to fire him, they would have said I think if they had fired him, they would have, we would have known this by now. And, 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 and look, before you get into it, here's, here's the latest news involving Urban Meyer. This first brought to us by Pete Thamel, who covers... 
college basketball for Yahoo that in an unexpected twist, Urban Meyer showed up at today's meeting of the Board of Trustees. It was really surprising. Rodney Dunnigan, who covers the Ohio State Buckeyes for WSYX6TV in Columbus, said that Urban Meyer was spotted by crews on campus and the decision on his future will be made by the president of Ohio State University. The board that started meeting after 6 a.m. today going through deliberations. Michael J. Gasser, who is the chairman of the board, trying to figure out what's going to happen with Urban Meyer, said the board was gathered to discuss personal matters and the employment, compensation, and discipline of a public official. This, of course, the board of trustees that are deliberating the findings of a two-plus-week investigation into allegations that Urban Meyer and others mishandled domestic assault accusations made against former assistant coach Zach Smith. It's been two and a half, we're getting into close to three weeks of this story, and had they known they were going to fire him, they would have known by now. Not that it would have been immediate, but after the worst comes out and you have the the Courtney Smith text to Urban Meyer's wife, you had the press conference, or you had the interview by Zach Smith, and then you had Urban Meyer say, well, I knew about the allegations in 2015, and I passed them up. I went up the chain of command. If there was a huge, long-ranging investigation where we needed to find out many different things, I would agree and say, yeah, you know, this is going on and we're going to find out whatever the, the outcome is. But if they wanted to fire him, it really boils down to one thing. Did he lie to the press on Big Ten Media Day when he said he didn't know anything about the violations in 2015? As he said previous, or he said post that, yes, I knew I, I misspoke at Big Ten Media, which he knew was going to happen. He was going to say, oh, I, I just misspoke. And I pass it up the right channels. That's pretty easy to figure out. You have an eight-person panel that have people working for them. Okay, you said you pass it up. Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? Did you talk to Gene Smith? Did you talk to somebody else? Did they have any documentation there of meetings? That's something that you would have needed just a few days to figure out. But the further we get away from it, the more likely it is he keeps his job, especially since there's a large faction in Columbus that want to see him stay and want to keep him on. Firing him is a huge black eye for the university. Uh. Yeah, I mean, keeping him could be a huge black eye for the university. Look, I, I don't think 14 days is too long. To, we want to know everything now, 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 now. Collect all the digital data. Collect all the emails, all the phone calls. Talk to all the people and then talk to the people and pull the video. Get a true sense of what's going on. I, I Look, I, I think if Ohio State really did their due diligence and they find out that all he did was lie to the media and he did everything else the right way, then I still think he should be suspended. I still think there should be a punishment because that's that shouldn't be representative of b- being a head coach, being the highest paid member of the state of Ohio, uh, highest paid worker in the state of Ohio, uh, for the state of Ohio. Um, but I, I look, I I don't think the I don't think we should take anything into how many days it took. They said we're going to give it two weeks. We're going to do a thorough investigation. Then they're going to find the meetings. Then they're going to meet. They're going to vote. And that's the process by which they set forth in place. I don't think you should think otherwise. But I do think it's going to be interesting as th- there is some, there, there, there's nuance to stories. And one of the things that we have made mistakes about in the past, in our, in our effort, and which is a, a good effort and comes from the right spirit, whether it's Me Too or whether it's getting rid of domestic violences, Sometimes there's an entire story, entire picture that needs to be painted. And I would agree that doesn't necessarily matter in regards to Urban Meyer, right? Did you know? If you know, what'd you do about it? But I do think there's a, a whole story there that we have to have the, paint, the picture painted before we just knee-jerk react. Every domestic violence accusation or every series of domestic violence accusation is not the same. 
You take each one for what they are. You collect the information and and you try and figure out who did what and what happened. But I, I do think regardless of, let's say he survives, it's going to be a stain on Urban Meyer, right? Be- because we are going to believe, hey, look, here's the guy who had Aaron Hernandez at and all of those other knuckleheads that he and Tim Tebow supposedly tried to save at Florida. Meanwhile, they're winning a couple of national championships. And then he, he gets out of the swamp of the SEC to go to Ohio State. And this is one of the guys that he brings with him. Like, okay, this is how Urban rolls. Whether it's real or whether it's, it's, it's imaginary, the, the, the way in which it'll be portrayed is Urban Meyer does whatever it takes to win football games. I just don't understand why he employed the guy. Right, like nobody was going to Ohio State because of Zach Smith, and no matter what you think of his grandpa and how big a mentor he was, you can. The second he does something wrong, you're like, "Hey, look, I'll find him a job at Bowling Green. I'll find him a job elsewhere." This is Ohio State. Don't hire idiots is a great way to start your day if you're a boss and you're hiring people. I I, I see. don't hire family. Don't hire idiots. And family is the grandson of a mentor. And if you're going to hire a grandson or mentor, he better be completely buttoned up and a guy that could be a future head coach, and that's not this guy. Yeah, but Urban Meyer's got that God complex that he can do it. And we see this not just in a situation involving uh, football, but in many walks of life. Why is so-and-so spending so much time trying to shepherd this young man, this young person on? Obviously, he feels a sense of responsibility or, hey, I can help turn this guy's life around. I, I can I can do this. So I'm gonna keep so that's why he stays around. That's the only reason that would strike me as why was Zach Smith around 2009, 2015, up till 2018, because he feels I can I can do it. I can be the guy to turn this guy. Yeah, but he's done all these horrible things. Yeah, but I can do it. I can be and this guy's got things going against him. He's got issues, he's got this, but I can do it. That's why. Uh Matt tweets the show. Why does it matter if Urban lied to the media? If you don't know the answer to that, that that's the problem. <laughs> Honestly, it's become acceptable yeah. to lie to the media, even when the media, in this case, Brett McMurphy, had the facts to prove that you were lying at the time in which you were lying. So uh, when you're the representative of a university, you don't even have to tell the truth. He didn't have, that's the whole crazy thing. He didn't have to tell the truth. No. He didn't have to tell what he knew, what he knew. All he could have said is, hey, this is not the appropriate time and place. It's a legal matter. I'd be happy to deal with it later. But he didn't. He lied. And for some reason, I actually know a big reason, it's become okay to lie to the media. And that's not okay because the media has a bunch of different jobs. Could be a big suspension for Urban Meyer. Could be no suspension. Could be loses his job. Maybe Doug has it later on on Fox Sports Radio. Jason and Doug, we're in tomorrow. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again and getting to the heart of our stories we're going places we've never gone before and we're bringing you along with us with new segments correspondence and a brand new sound season nine is kicking off with an intimate interview with grammy award-winning singer-songwriter natalia laforcade what's giving you hope right now well when i see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.